0: We done a lot of different things for India, good things, but we also robbed them blind as well. So they'd always say to me, Oh, the Maranicho, it It was like your queen's a thief. Yeah. Past one I've
1: woke
0: up and I've looked about and there's two hundred and ten bodies with white I thought it was in a morgue. They've drugged all the guards in the drinks. He've got shutted out the thing repelled him down the ropes, got in an helicopter over to Burma and then on a speedboat over to Malaysia or somewhere like that. And I'm thinking that's a bit OTT. So they ruled the prison. He used to go out on weekends to go to home visits and everything else with 10 guards and stuff. <laughs> he, he actually got his son to come in the prison and stay over one night and he had his own cell, his own little like house if you like. Used to get roses and plant them in the garden bit at the side.
2: Oh my God, he had it made.
0: Oh, he had it made. And he went, "Can't believe he's give you twenty years." I went, "He's give me ten years." He'd have gone. He went, "No, it's 20. Look at the paper. Got the paper, and it's British man gets twenty years. What a die! I don't want to be here no more. I'm just so low.
2: Have you heard or seen anything from the guy who's responsible for you going to No,
0: prison? he's disappeared from the. I believe he went to Ireland and down London. Then I got told he was around my area. And at first I was driving past and his house and I thought, you know, if I see him, what will I do? Will I go back to jail for murder? He could never give me compensation for them ten years. Even a billion pound wouldn't suffice. I mean, the rats, the cats didn't touch the rats. The rats were massive.
2: The rats were big. The than rats the cats. were
0: absolutely massive. Honest to God, I got malaria five times within a, an eight-month period. From the mosquitoes, is it? We used to have competition. We'd go and see how many blood splats you could get. Oh. I got eight ones. That was oh. the, That was the eight, eight in one go. Oh. You know what they give me? Paracetamol.
2: Cure for everything.
0: Paracetamol. I found out my my nan had died, and you know, obviously. They told me you can't grieve as the same because you're finding out it happened three years ago. I was terrified, I'll be honest with you. You know, it's just everything's so alien. You know, you don't understand the language or anything, and it's all sort of it's like you're living in a dream. Sort of thing. Do you remember what you said? <clears throat> yeah, to me, mum.
2: Sounds like you guys are. Really it's going to be all
0: right. It's right. going to be all right, and then a breakdown, a cry, and go, "Mum, I'll be all right. I'll be all right," you know, and. Don't worry. Just, I was a state, to be honest. I mean, my head was all over, you know. Um, but I still believed, as a, a British, you know, citizen, that we, we've got power and they'll do something for us. And I won't be here. And that's not the case. That is not the case. She got in contact with the local MPs. She done everything she could. Basically, she was she's a warrior. She was a warrior, you know. God bless her soul. But. Yeah, without my mum, it would have been a lot harder to tell you. I could say, Whoa!
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was good. D- Dave, have to cut that bit. You <laughs> got a blooper. <laughs> I think that was my mum. <laughs> yeah.
3: So, we've tried to get people who've had prison experiences around the world. One of my favourite books, actually, is Shantaram. And the conditions he describes in the Indian prison are just absolutely mind-blowing. Brutality, the guards, the way they treat the prisoners, the poverty, the way that spills over into the prisons. And Baz here, he's got his book, No Tension, referred to by Darrell Aycock, shout out to him. And we're going to be going down this dark journey of what it's like in the Indian prison system. But not only that, it's it's even more frustrating for Baz, because unlike myself, he was innocent. We're going to get to what landed him in there. But huge thank you for coming on, firstly. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah. We like to start, like, take people deep into the system to begin with before we go back to the beginning. Yeah. Have you got a story that, you know, you could describe It's
0: quite hard-hitting going into one of these prisons? I suppose I could start sort of six months in if you like because I was moved uh, to a high security area uh, which is called Andabarak. In Hindi it means sort of a prison within a prison. (laughs) It's sort of a stone structure which is within the prison. Again, it's for high security people. Um, I was put in there because I couldn't really cope with the conditions and the people, the noise. You know, there was 220 people, men obviously in a... A, a barrack system which is a sort of stone structure made only for 80 men so you're all like sardines you've got your two foot by six foot mat on the floor um but like I said there's no room and there's, there's never any peace you just can't get away from the constant you know so for the first couple of months obviously I'd gone in the prison with the expectation of violence so I had the attitude of you know, I was I was on to everyone and ready to fight everyone and you don't you know and but it seemed pretty calm where there wasn't sort of much fighting um but the superintendent in the end basically said I'll put you in this area. Um the area was actually like I say it was uh, inhabited by one man called Ajmal Kasab. He was a lone surviving terrorist from two thousand and eight bomb blasts and in Mumbai. There's a lot of films and things out about him and he actually got moved to a bomb proof uh Barrett, which they built yeah exactly well one and a half billion people what it's a him, basically you know because obviously pakistan and india they have their uh, problems with each other and this guy was a pakistani obviously no one seen him or he was kept under very very high security they built that bomb proof sort of 2010, maybe May it was, May, because it was my birthday, I remember, 2010. And they moved me in there when he moved out. Um, say it was a stone circular structure. You had a tower in the middle, lookout tower, where you could walk and see, you know, with the gun and watch all the sort of separate um, separate cells. You had one number area, it had nine cells, two number the same, three number, four number, sort of the circular. The cell would sort of be wider at the top and it would taper because of the stone structure, if you like. It was uh, six foot wide at the top. It tapered to, say, four foot. You'd have your hole in the floor, you know, you'd to your toilet area. You'd have a sort of little stone wall in front for your privacy. Um, and basically I was put in there. Um, for the first couple of weeks I was on my own. More people started to get put in the underbarack. Um, so we had to sort of pad up with two. It was either one or three per per cell, if you like. So they put me in um, the cell with one guy. The first guy, basically, was from, um, he was a Pakistani guy, but he'd hijacked a plane to Kandahar. So, you know, it's not someone you meet every day. Um, he couldn't speak much English. Yeah, I mean, his, his English was very, very poor. I'd learned very basic Hindi by then, how to eat food or, you know, water, pani or whatever you, you say for water. Just the basics. So we couldn't really converse. Um, but, yeah, what a what a mad character. And, <clears throat> excuse me, like I say, I was in there then for the following, um, the remaining time under, under trial, basically. I was then put in the underbarack. And over that period of time, I met, like, quite a few interesting characters, you could say.
2: Because some of the interesting characters, you said, were Bollywood stars.
0: Yeah, yes. So Bollywood's like um, Hollywood, if you like, if it's for people that don't know. So it's massive. It's like your Hollywood in America. So obviously...
2: How did they end up inside?
0: One was a rape case. Um, but basically, in India, the women have so much power, you can say to a woman, I'll marry you. And if six months' time you've not married them, they can file a rape charge on you. Oh, wow. They have so much power. I, say, I used to say, if this happened in the uh, English judicial system, they'd be, half the men would be in prison, wouldn't they? Is
3: you that know? what happened so, to the
0: dwarf? Uh, yes, yes, yes. The dwarf was a rape case. And I used to say, you know, how could he overpower a woman at, you know, three foot high? But apparently they drugged, they drugged her and stuff, and oh. so whether it's oh. true or not, I don't know. I'm not too sure. So I've got so many questions. Did you say it's called the Andover Prison? Ando, Anda,
3: A N D A, Anda The Anda Yeah. All right. So just to put the time into sequence, then what what year was it you went into Anda? Uh, 2010 in the May. 2010. You're on yeah. remand. You moved in with the high-profile guys and. You basically then this is like the Osama bin Laden of India, isn't it? This Mumbai terrorist
0: guy oh, yeah, hundreds of yeah. people died. There was three hundred and odd died basically. Yeah. Odd yeah. Died. They they, they terrorised the city in Mumbai for like three, four days.
3: Did they come in on boats or
0: something? That's right, yeah. They come over on a boat. With fully
3: automatic. Yeah.
0: And they've done the Kama Hospital, they've done the Taj Mahal, which is a five star hotel, you know, it's a massive hotel. Yeah. And they ransacked that. I mean these films about it and you know, so it was like massive at the time. And I think my sister said she was out there weeks before it happened or something. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah. There was a few, obviously, there was a lot of international people there, you know, Europeans, English, and because the Taj Mahal sort of the place to stay if you go to Mumbai, like, so.
2: And what was yeah. the atmosphere like with all these people there?
0: Uh, what, in the? In the prison. Yeah, in the prison. Because um, they were high profile, extreme.
2: Yeah. Was there a lot of violence, or was it no? Be- calm?
0: <clears throat> Basically, because they kept again under high security. You're not allowed to roam around the prison. For example, you'd always took out by a guard. So that person, you know, the different people, as in high profile, where people want to kill them. You know, there was one guy uh, who was actually stayed in the cell with for eighteen months. A very good friend of mine, he became. Uh, a guy called Santos Now, he was uh, basically um, uh, sent back from Thailand, extradited from Thailand. He was on the run for a lot of years. And he was a very big gangster from the 90s. And he was associated with a guy called Dawad Ibrahim. who's in the top 10 most wanted still. Uh, There was all these sort of... There was four or five of them. Chotarajan. He's got a big gang. Uh, So there's all these sort of... And they was all together and as you know with the gangsters there's a bit of paranoia all the time oh he was going to shoot me and they've heard such a thing and so they've all broke up but um sort of in the 2000s he was in thailand and my good friend santosh was a good friend with uh, Rajan. so dawad Ibrahim had ordered a hit on Rajan in bangkok they've shot him a couple of times he's in the hospital under police guard third and fourth floor full of police. So Santos had been there, they've sort of got the guards on side, few beers and everything, you know, these countries, you a bit of money and you're the best friends. Few beers, next couple of weeks, then he's been doing repelling lessons. Now he's telling me this story and I'm thinking, this is a bit over the top, I don't believe this guy. He was locked in his cell for two weeks. He won't come out just to get the gist of it because obviously people wanted to kill him. And he's telling me this story, and he said, we took these rappelling lessons up the ropes and that. I thought, right. Two weeks after, they've drugged him. Outside, they've drugged all the guards in the drinks. They've got chattered out the finger, rappelled him down the ropes, got in an helicopter over to Burma, and then on a speedboat over to Malaysia or somewhere like that. And I'm thinking, that's a bit OTT, this. He's telling a few porkies. So... Two or three days later, you get, basically, you get papers there in English print as well. There's a midday in the Hindustan Times and things it's in English print. And this midday paper was there and we opened the middle pages and it was like a big colour thing. And picture one was with the ropes, picture two, they're getting in the helicopter. and So it was actually true, you know. Um, but like I say, he become a really good friend and the sort of respect and power he had, really helped me as well, because at that point, things were a lot easier when I was with him. Everyone knew me, I was sort of a superstar in my own right, but was also friends, Rajan got brought in, his group, his gang, they was all in two number. Now I used to be friends with them, so sometimes I go over with them, and um, there was one guy who was really, really close with him as well, and he was like, oh, yeah, you're with Santos, and you know? all." Like, oh, he tried to shoot me one time, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, like, it's a game, you know? So <clears throat> it was crazy. And he was like, people saying, but, you know, they're, they're what, I'm nothing to do with it. I'm English. I don't care what their problems are, you know? I just get along with everybody sort of thing. So so that was a bit well said as well, yeah, but... So the top-level terror guys, were they
3: educated? Were they well-spoken? Were they polite? Oh, very, very
0: well-spoken. I mean... Obviously, I was in I was in that area for nearly three years under trial. And like I say, over the course of time, Santos come in 2011, it was um, sort of Christmas time. But before that, I was like with different terrorists, you know. But it was all respectful. A lot of all Muslim, so they do the prayer at 5.30. But I'd have my mat there. There'd be one there, one there. They phoned my mat so they could get their prayer mats out to face. Whichever way they face to do the prayer, so it's all very respectful. But I tell you what, they're all very, very intelligent. So to do these crazy things where they bomb, in, they think it's okay to bomb two hundred and fifty-eight innocent women and children, including you know. And this was for he actually got hanged in the end, and the guy was with because they still do capital punishment over there. So unfortunately, some of the people that were close friends did get the death penalty eventually and got hung, but.
3: So when you started associating with these guys, did your conditions improve, like food, environment? The food
0: improved. The environment didn't improve, but like say, in Andabarit you had 24-hour running water, and that was a massive, massive thing because you get it twice a day in the other areas. So you have to fill your buckets, you have to keep them. Now, water is such a massive commodity, but until you've not got it, you'd never know. You need to wash your dishes, you need to wash your ass, you need to... You know, everything, you need for everything basically to flush your toilet and stuff. So when you've got that 24-hour water, that was massive for me. That was the biggest thing. But obviously once, <coughs> excuse me, once I was in with Santosh himself, he was paying the guard. I'd, he'd give me the money, superintendent, and get 40,000. That's rupees, by the way, which was about 400 pound at the time. So they'd get it off him. There was another guy there um as well. He was very, very big. So he used to pay him like one lakh, which is like a thousand pound. So he used to get a thousand pound a month. So basically then they had the sort of run of the jail where, you know, I'll give you one example. Mustafa Dosa is called. Basically he's again, gangster from the nineties. He used to bring a lot of gold from Dubai Had his fingers in all pies, got a lot of businesses within Mumbai. So this is the sort of power they had within the prison. Um, my friend Feroz and another another guy that was in the, it was in bombings, basically bombs people. Um, and Feroz, he it was it was a number carry of uh, Mustafa Dosa, which is a co-accused basically in English. So he's co-accused. So we had a bit of power and stuff. We're all asleep one morning. It's before, um, they call it Bundy, before they open up the cells. So the guards are coming round. Now you need to sit up so they count you in the Barrett system you'd all be in pairs sat on in pairs and they'd come round it's like Jodie Jodie Jody. Jody means pair basically and if you're still asleep you get a whack and that, oh yeah and many people got cracked you'd all know, be laughing in the morning because they will not wake up so one guy's ill Farouk Oh, So he's lay there. So the guard comes, he's a bit of a dickhead, and he's like, hey, wake up, wake up. So he's speaking to me in Hindi. Hey, tell me, you like calling him a motherfucker and all Listen, So the guard's like, you what, you what? Opens the gate. Now, he's not supposed to do that. Next minute, they're fighting. I'm jumping in, trying to split them up. Other guards are running. Anyway, all calms down. Gets locked in, extra hour before they open up. Superintendent calls us. It's called a Mundal Carrier. Basically, it's like a wooden hut. Where all the guards sit, so he goes in there. Uh, they want me and Farouk as witnesses to what's happened to write a, a report. We goes in there. Mustafa walks in with like five hundred pound the Booting shoes on a summer, like ten grand kettle on his wrist and that, and he's walks in and he's like, superintendent, so in Hindi sort of saying, "What's going on? What's going on?" So he said, "Well, you know, they've had this thing." He said, "Well, why is it opening before?" And he's like, "Sorry, bye, sorry, bye, like sorry, brother." Like, you know, he had more respect for Mustafa than the other way around and then he started ripping into the guard and giving him slaps and I was like, wow. Oh, my God. Wow, that's just because he won't get his £1,000 a month, fella. Now, obviously, the wages are very, very low, so that £1,000 to him is massive.
2: So they ruled the prison?
0: Basically ruled it. He used to go out on weekends to go to home visits and everything else with ten guards and stuff. (laughs) <laughs> but he, he, it was happening, yeah. He, he, he actually got his son to come in the prison and stay over one night and he had his own cell, his own little, like, house, if you like. He used to get roses and plant them in the garden by at the side.
2: Oh, my God, he had it made?
0: Oh, he had it made, he had it made. I mean, he's so powerful. He was a millionaire, basically, and, you know, he had so much power within the prison. Like I say, money is power within in, Indian prisons, so.
3: I know some of the viewers are wondering
0: how it was without any toilet paper? It was quite hard to adjust. Um, obviously, the food situation and the heat and everything, I mean, the noise, I mean, it's everything, but that was tricky for the first few days. I mean, um, basically, you'd have to wash with a jug. It'd be sort of a watering can-style jug. It's maybe so you can
2: be a bit further away, I'm not <laughs> sure, but
0: you get that But to get one of them, there's not many about anyway. So you come out, obviously I was in the barrack for the first few months um, and within the prison, I don't understand why, but barrack number 11 is for, they call it Teen Sadu, so which is 302, they have a code for each um, offence, if you like. That's murder, two is murder. So they've got a barrack just for murderers. Then they've got a barrack for NDPS, which is Narcotic Drugs and Psychotropic Substances, obviously any drug cases. They're in one barrack and stuff, so all all your drug dealers can get connections sort of thing. You know, I don't understand the logic of it. But then they'd blow the whistle in the morning, the gate would open, you'd all run to the toilet outside, there'd be a big row of them. Say there was 40, 25 wouldn't be clean straight away. You've got to go and get your water from the sort of well. It's like a rectangular structure where there's a tap at the end, a pipe, and it would pour out and you'd fill up and then go, sort of thing, take your soap, take your box in. Um, finish what you're doing when you've let onto everyone in the morning, looking over, hey, morning, morning. Uh, you know, they're looking for the toilet. You're all sat there. Well, you're squatting, actually. You're not sat there, are you? You're squatting over the hole and you're looking up and people are looking at Someone's in there. or you'd throw your you'd throw your shorts over. Normally, (laughs) you just leave me shorts on and like they still look over and be like, obviously someone's in here, mate. You know.
2: Yeah. Yeah,
0: So you didn't even get peace having having you know a number two sort of thing. So, um, but it's very hard because obviously you're right-handed, so you'd have to hold it with the jug with that hand. Get your soap, rub it on your hand first, and then wash away and stuff. So Um, it's
3: soap and a jug. There's not a rag involved or anything like that? No,
0: nothing like that, no. No,
2: You just wash it away. Sorry, how many jugs per person? It
0: depends how big your shit was. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, obviously you can only get the one jug because the water's 10 yards away, 20 yards away. So if you've not got enough wash, you'll have to run out and get more and sort of finish it off that way. (sighs) But Yeah, but that was quite hard, you know, to um, sort of get my head around that.
3: Of course.
0: and yeah. <laughs> my ass round it, I say. So you mentioned the heat then. Like, <laughs> yeah. What on the English scale did it get up to? I don't even touch the English scale. It's like 40 degrees in the... 40s in the 40s. In sort of May, June, just before the monsoons. Uh, obviously, Asia gets monsoons, sort of July, August, over yeah. that period. But it's so, so hot as well, even in monsoons. That's when it's the most... Humidity's really high. Was there any kind of ventilation system? In the barracks, you had... Your circular fan on the circular ceiling, fan. yeah. Um, you'd make you have like six, like I said, the, the Barrett would probably be twice as long as this studio. Um, then you'd have sort of six fans. You'd have you you string up for your washing everywhere. You'd have a plastic bag behind you with your belongings, um, and then like I say, it was just so so many people congested. I mean, there's one story I can tell you. It was only a couple of weeks in. And it was, like I say, it was winter time then. Nighttime, it gets a bit chiller, drops to 15 or something. So they give you the white sheet to cover yourself with, if you like. So this night, anyway, um, smoked a bit of that at the time, and they got ganja the in these guys. And they're saying, come and it's like a big ritual. You know, i sit on his mat, cross leg. That took a while to get used to, to cross my leg. But uh, they started doing this. So I was a bit stone, you know. I've gone to sleep, and it's about 12, and then about half past one. I've woke up. And I've looked about, and there's 210 bodies with white. I thought it was in a morgue. I was having a panic attack. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was, oh, it was terrifying, honestly. Everyone was covered. I thought, I'm dead. I'm dead, you know. <laughs> 200 bodies, just all white, covers over them, like you, see, you know? So, yeah, I mean, it was, it was very hard. For the first 12 months, I've got to say, it was very, very hard for, to adapt to everything, really.
2: I wanted to ask about the bug situation. Oh, what was that
0: like? Well, the first place we went in, you know Shantanon book? I read it yeah. as well. It's over a thousand pages. Brilliant. I read There's loads of them. Masterpiece. It, brilliant. Yeah. So basically, he was in my prison. He was in Arthur Road. Nice. So where he says in it, he's burning the bedbugs in the wall. That's what we had to do.
2: What, was lighters or something? Light Fires. newspaper.
0: But yeah. burn a fire, because all the bedbugs are going in the paint, and then they come out the night and bite you and stuff, and...
2: How big are the bed bugs over there? Because over here they're, they're quite big. Oh remote. no, you can
0: see, and they're like ladybird sort of st- type. They're quite yeah. big. And do they bite? Yeah, they give you like little lumps and stuff. The worst things was the tiny ants, the red ants. So, um basically I used to put your, your washing on a line. Now I made it, I made the fatal error a few times where I've put my boxer shorts on, not shook them out, and then these little red ants are biting. <laughs> biting my balls and stuff oh my god so, but uh, yeah many times I've had them in my food oh. because I used to sort of in my third jail after conviction I used to have these pots um, I used to get sort of protein powder in them and stuff so once it was empty I put sugar in one or like Fasan it was called sort of a savoury snack type thing uh, and if you didn't put newspaper in on the top there's no there's no room for them to get in but they got in and then you shake it on your food and mix it up. You would get rice and dal every every day, mix it up, and I'd be eating away, and then I'd see one floating, and I'd be like, "Fucking, I'm just gonna eat it," you know. There's protein in isn't there yeah. as well, so you yeah. didn't get no protein. I just eat them. You get big black ants, but they was harmless. But you just feel them on your, oh. you know. And but the worst thing, this is absolute worst. It was on a, it, it used to be on a Sunday as well because Sundays. We'd be locked in for most of the day, basically. Um, we'd be back in, say, for 1.30, hottest time of the day. Especially sort of when it's sort of April, May. I've got no fan in this cell. I've got nothing in this cell. And you drip dripping. You'd sit there. You'd just be sweating, just dripping. And the flies. So I'd be laying there. I'd throw my sheet on, even though it was so hot. And, you know, after a while, five minutes, you think, just get my toe out within 10 seconds, bzz, it's on it. And put my nose out, bzz, the flies are on it. And I used to actually felt sorry at that point for sort of the only you know, Somalian kids and stuff. And the, you know, at the end, you just give up because they're relentless, they're on you, on you. And you just think you just give up with it basically. And that was our dilemma with
3: the cockroaches. You yeah. can have the sheet on you, but it traps the heat. Yeah. And then you get so hot you throw it off and then the cockroaches are on you and you've got yeah. to get to sleep. So you just know yeah. they're going to be on you in the what, night.
0: What smart creatures they are, eh?
1: Mm.
3: Did what?
0: you have some stories of them? Oh, yeah, they're proper smart, them. They're really... And they're fast, aren't they? Yes. <laughs> they are, they fast.
3: What but, did yours
0: look like? Oh, they were huge. Big ones. They were huge. Yeah. I mean, the rats. The cats didn't touch the rats. The rats were massive.
2: The rats were big. The than rats cats. were
0: absolutely massive. Honest to God. They didn't even... Um, they didn't even bother him because you would have, have the jail cats, you know, and everything else. And, but no, they just used to leave him because he was as big as them, honestly. Did anyone try and catch any of the animals? Oh, but I'll tell you one? what, we, we did used to do for entertainment. <laughs> Bit of a sick story, maybe, but um, you sort of have your, your sweeping brush, sort of for your cell, and it's like, you know, twigs all bandied up. So you have a cundiwaller in every area. A cundiwaller basically is a house cleaner. They do all the cleaning the toilets and everything. So some days they'd flush the, cell, the, the sewers out you sort of have one metal sort of thing there and a couple of hundred yards over there be another. So they'd take them off, throw buckets of water down and then the rats used to jump out the other end and we'd play cricket.
1: Six! Oh, and <laughs> oh, oh, of
0: these rats. Oh. So, <laughs> so like a <Acamo>. Yeah, <laughs> simply, yeah. But they'd be out and they'd be getting knocked over different areas. <laughs> Depends how far you went, Maybe you got a six with him and stuff. But, yeah, to pass the time, you know, I think.
2: You just mentioned a... Cond- is it a condi-weller?
0: Condi-weller, yeah.
2: Yeah, walla. Uh, how does one get the position of becoming a toilet cleaner?
0: The poorest of the poor get it, and they get remission for it. And they get good remission. They get sort of 30% off. Really? In the case, wow. yeah. Something like that, so it's worth it to them. Plus, they get a little wage, so they can buy their own soap and toothpaste. So... Every jail, basically, when you're in a, um, a big area, any barrack-type system, it's called a hander. A hander's like a group, if you like. So I, when I first went in, I joined a hander, Now there's was a French guy. Um, there was an Indian guy, and there was a guy from from the Philippines, and he was our help, if you like, cause he had no money. So, but I'm still in my sort of, I want to wash my own plate. I want to... But the system is, is if you've got money, you shouldn't do any work yourself. You know, even till the last day I was washing my own clothes and they are coming up to me going, why? So why are you doing, because you know, God give me two hands, I'll do it myself. Sort of thing, you know, don't, if they don't want toothpaste, I'll give it them for now. Sort of thing. But the system is, is Indian maids have a maid. There's so many different classes, you know, sort of from higher to low. There's sort of so Cash much system. diverse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're born... As um, a certain surname, you will go no higher in life. You will stay in the fields of a farm because your surname is such a thing.
2: So like in the UK, ours originated from our job position. So quite a similar bit hasn't progressed in India.
0: Yeah, I mean, basically you won't get that opportunity because of your surname. The blacker you are, the less chance you've got to work. They're so racist. They're so racist, honestly, because they know the black you are, You're in a field all day. You're doing sort of the low-end jobs. Is that, is the lowest class called the
3: untouchables, is it? Yes. Yeah. Untouchables. They have untouchables in the prison system
0: as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Mm. yeah. I mean, obviously, some of these people, you know, India's absolutely huge. She's 10 times as big as Britain, you know, and um, there was people sort of from villages that have no electricity, running water, nothing, nothing. and I'd be sat there and next minute i feel like this on behind. I'm going, fucking, don't touch me. They'd never seen tattoos and they'd like thinking oh. it's pen. You know, they'd be like, I'm behind, going like this, I'm like, fuck off. What are you doing? And people are going, no, no, and they're just curious. And they'd be sat staring at me. Staring. And I used to think at that time I'd hate to be a celebrity, known by everyone. Because it's like everyone's looking at you, and you know, you're like. Some, they've not seen a white person before. That's an Eminem song, I think, but they've not, they've not seen a white person. So to them, it's like, and they're just like, but it's quite intimidating, you know? And then they'll be like, you look how fucking, you know? And then, but it's not, they're just curious. And then they would be like, you know, my friends come over in the January, he said, obviously a long flight. They've got on the beach. Yeah, in Mumbai now. No one sunbathes in Mumbai, but they've took the tops off. He said, we've crashed out for a couple of hours. He said, I've woke up said, about 15 of them are fucking staring at us. Like, I jumped up, like, what are you doing? What are you doing? But they're just curious. You know, they're thinking, oh, who's this? Why, why are they doing that? They don't understand, like... And would you say
2: that gave you a bit of automatic respect in prison because they were, you were beyond nine?
0: Well, as a as a British citizen, it gave me a bit of respect to a lot of people, but it also worked the other way as well. Obviously, the British Raj... Uh, for any historians, we ruled India for 200 years. Um, but we done a lot of good for the country, you know. Um, we built the road infrastructure, the railways. we done a lot of different things for India, good things. But we also robbed them blind as well. So they'd always say to me, oh, Tomara Ranicho. It was like, your queen's a thief. <laughs> 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> stole the stole we or diamond oh. and stuff and... So, you know, some of them have been banned, or some of them didn't like it. Some of them used to touch my skin and wipe it on them. It's like I want to be your colour. Like I say, like I say, it's like every Bollywood star you will look at, I like our colour. They're, They're quite white. Pale, They're yeah. very, very pale. So I think as a country, it is so racist. As a country. And even the guards used to come around. I mean, I was locked up with a lot of um there were Somalian pirates, there was There was the um, habitual. You always get Africans in every country when you're in jail. Uh, You've got your sort of, um, you've got the cheaters from Nigeria and stuff. And but they're all street wise. They're all smart. You know, they've had hard lives and they know how to survive. Um, So yeah, they come round in the morning, the guards, and we're going cello. It's basically
3: hey,
0: Galah and all this. He'd be saying it. You know what I mean? And it's so, so bad. You know what I mean? So their respect for them was already sort of low because of the colour of the skin. Mm. So it was very wrong, but, you
3: know. All right, so Baz, you've got us gripped with these insane conditions and the high-profile prisoners. I'm sure the viewers are wondering at this point in time, how the hell did you land yourself in this situation? (laughs) Right, well, the
0: story sort of goes back to 2006. Um... I went to Goa a lot, sort of once, at least once a year. Um, loved the place, nice and cheap, and it's sort of, you know, hidden paradise-like. So I loved to go to Goa. Uh, 2006, myself and my mum decided to buy an apartment out there. It was off plan, so it was sort of so much money every few months and whatever else. So, like I said, we bought this uh, apartment off plan. I went over in 2006 with um, a so-called friend, an ex-friend. And basically, he had his girlfriend there, I had mine there. We'd gone on a place called Anjuna Market. Uh, It's like a hippie market, if you like. I bought sort of Garnier creams, uh, incense sticks, a lot of naff, really, T-shirts, whatever else. And the year before, I actually took home a couple of uh, ornaments, a Buddha, like a Buddha's head and an wooden elephant. I got to the airport, my case was over. They charged me under and a pound to get them, to bring them home. So the so-called friend was there and he's saying, well, why don't you post them? I said, well, where's the post office? I didn't even know where it was. I'd been to go around many times, but I didn't know where it was. So he said, oh yeah, it'd be cheaper. Give us uh, your passport. I'll go and get a copy done, blah, blah, blah. Long story short, he's posted the goods home. We've come home. He's like, have you got your stuff? I'm like, no. Well, well, well what's going on he said oh I'll put a few strips of sleepers in i said well, that's probably why they've not landed then i found out a few sort of down the line over the next couple of weeks he was going around accusing me of getting these sleeping tablets and selling them on now i didn't know the quantity at this point now i'd actually took a few home you can buy them in the chemist viagras and diazepam for sleeping Oh, you know, behind the counter sort of thing. So I'd actually took them on in my case many times before. Um, so I knew a friend um, on the beach and stuff, and he's saying, yeah, it's best to do it that way. So I've given all my details. You, you do a declaration form, so you put where you are staying, for example. And I was staying in a Osborne Hotel at the time. Now... I don't know, ironically enough, three months after I went back to the Osborne Hotel in March 2007, and they gave me a letter from reception. I was like, open the letter, and it said, uh, you've misdeclared these goods. We've, we've kept them in Mumbai. It was Mumbai Customs, basically. Um, they they contained diazepam but there's only one box it's saying they contain daisy-pam. If, if you want them, basically, come to Mumbai, but it's two-and-a-half-hour flight or a 12-hour drive, and I'm, you know, I'm not interested in these goods that i bought. It was only like 60 quid or something I'd spent. So I just ripped it up and thought nothing of it, but I could actually get them. If he had a medicinal licence, proof of purchase, uh, I could actually get them, and they would be all right to export. I just thought nothing of it. It wasn't heroin. It wasn't cocaine. It wasn't a narcotic. And I went back to the country a few times. Unbeknownst to me, they had a lookout circular, an LOC, in all the Indian airports, like I was a terrorist or something. Uh, I'd been again, like I say, over the following couple of years with different girlfriends. So in immigration, it's not sort of... It's a human error. They've not not noticed this sort of red alert for me. 2009, November, 21st of November, 2009, I've gone on my own. The apartment had been finished. I was going basically to... Do the paperwork, buy some furniture, etc. Gone over for a week on my own. Walked through immigration, he was looked at the thing, looked at me, looked at the screen again, he's like, well, you wait there. Still didn't think anything of it. That was about 7.30 in the morning. Now Mumbai Customs flew in then at 2 pm. Took me then to Mumbai and I was sort of questioned till five in the morning then. Um there was one box, now when he's telling me the quantity in the first box, it was like 20 odd thousand. I thought, you know, all this, that's in one box. These three, there was three. Do you know what I mean? So I thought it's gonna be a lot. So I was getting them on the side. There was only one that spoke English, five of us, um, with him, Didn't, couldn't speak a word. And they put, actually put me in a hotel, yeah. He said, right, what I'll do, I'm going to put you in this hotel. You pay for it for two nights. You're not staying there. I'm going to put you in a friend's house and lock you in there till Monday. Now, unbeknownst to me at the time, it was doing me a big favour because you have to be produced within a court of law within 24 hours. Now, I would have got charges dropped at some point if that happened. It was all being parallel. I didn't know whether to offer money because I thought well, that's what I should have done.
3: hope you're enjoying the podcast. Here's a word from our sponsor, Rocket Money. Many of our viewers have saved thousands using Rocket Money to save the money off subscriptions they didn't even know about. Rocket Money cancels subscriptions for people that are tricky and time-consuming. Rocket Money also alerts you to subscriptions that can save you money. Try it free for 30 days, just enough time to try it, and then completely forget about it. In fact, over 80% of people have subscriptions they forgot about. You could be wasting money and not even realising it. Rocket Money helps you find those forgotten subscriptions so you can stop paying for ones you don't use. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Stop throwing your money away, cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com forward slash Sean, S-H-A-U-N. That's rocketmoney.com forward slash Sean, rocketmoney.com slash Sean. Sean, thank you for supporting our sponsor, Rocket Money. Enjoy the podcast.
0: I didn't know whether to offer money, because I thought that's what I should have done, Do you know. Gets back to the building, going through this pile of paperwork, next minute he's gone, you liar. I'm like, why? His second box different and all that, and then everything changed, basically. I didn't get beat up, which I'm surprised about, because I've heard some horror stories after electrocuting you. Going ads and stretching you on. Oh, it's it's brutal. But you. Shantaram had that, didn't it? The violence. Yeah, Well, I spoke guards. to guys in there, and yeah. it still goes on. And basically, you're guilty until proven innocent, sort of thing. And it's not the other way around. You don't get a lawyer until you've done your statement. Yeah. So basically, I had to do this statement, and I wrote down sort of what's happened. And then the next morning, I was dragged to a Sunday court. Now. <clears throat> I'd, I'd been in they give me one call basically. I spoke to my mum, rest her soul, and I spoke to her. And she got all these lawyers' numbers from Mumbai. We decided on getting someone called Tariq Sayed, who was a specialist in the drugs sort of cases. So, the Sunday morning, like I say, they, they needed pictures. They took me around this market in handcuffs, and I just felt I just it was horrible because, like I said about the staring, there was just everybody was like. You know, and I just—it's just—it's sort of horrifying. So, we goes in this court. They're all sat on the floor, all these. And it's so, uh, sorry as we goes up to the court. <clears throat> there's a big like flight of stairs. I'm going up to the court, and this guy comes down. He's got back. He's got a suit on, but it's a bit a bit of scruffy suit and a couple of stains here and there. And he's gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You okay? And I'm like, yeah. I shook his hand, and he's gone. I went. Are you Tariq Sayed? He gone. Yeah, yeah. Tariq Sayed. So going upstairs again. Now, at the hotel, I changed money. I changed like 100 pounds. So I had about 100 pound on me in um, rupees. Sorry, I had about 60 pound left in rupees after paying the hotel. So he said, how much money you got? How much money? So I've gone like, "Mm." and he's gone, right, right, that'll do that. Shh, shh, (laughs) He's doing this, shh, fucking idiot. (laughs) So he goes in the court, he sits in the bench in front. He's going around going, it's okay, shh, shh. My, My head's all over. Next minute, this tall guy walks in and he goes, eh. So I went, yeah, yeah. He went, I'm Tariq Zayad. I went, no, you're not. He's Tariq Sayed. <laughs> so he went, I'm Tariq Sayed. I went, no, he's Tariq <laughs> So he basically said, he's a cheat. He's took your money. But what he did do for me, he went and got 2,000 rupees back off him. It's like 20 pounds, so I could spend it in the first sort of week or two when I got in the prison for provisions. But this shithead, I then got in the police. We've all crammed in this, police van thing not a van like a you know the box sort of um, what's it only four seats in the back of that but all crammed in about six officers and him took text everyone for a meal on my frigging money you know what i mean i just thought wow unbelievable
3: unbelievable so let me just clarify for the viewers then my understanding is your so-called mate has took your details Without your authorization, he started to ship mass quantities. Well, don't of... know what he'd
0: done with the, the the stuff I bought, but apparently there was not, there was no um, anything I bought was not there. It was all full of daisy pam. Every box, with a total of seventy five thousand one hundred. Right.
2: So what was he planning on it, to arrive at yours? To and arrive. He used to be shocked and be like, where's my stuff?
0: Yeah, but then he was going to say. After it had found out he was going to get £8,000 for these so after it he could have said there's three grand for you and it would have been a sweetener wouldn't it and it wouldn't have, nothing would have you know, been amiss because they wouldn't have been caught but the fact that they was caught and the fact that he knew about it after and everything and didn't help so So what's your lawyer telling you initially that you're facing when will you be out? Well after they said obviously he goes on remand um, they were coming back down the stairs he said look it's going to be a massive shock to you when you go in the prison. You know, it's not an Elton hotel. He said, it's going to be, everything's going to be completely alien to you. Stay strong. We'll get you out, but it won't be for at least 60 days. I went, 60 days? <laughs> 60 days? I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it, honestly. He's like, that's how long it takes for the charge sheets to come through. Bye-bye. But bye but be okay. I'll inform your family this and over. Um and tell us about that in your family um well you don't actually get a call you don't actually get a call um when you go to court which is very frequent especially at the beginning you don't get guards there's not enough guards it's only for the ones that are cases are running if you like the witnesses are coming if you're lucky you might go so for the first sort of eight ten months you don't even get out the building or once or twice you might depending on the judge they'll give you a call or not. To, you know, the, they'll take you to the phone box or wherever, you get your friends' mobile or whatever else you can do. <laughs> um, but it's very rare that they allow that. At first, I didn't speak to my family for... I think it was about four weeks. I actually went to court then, um, and the, the guard gave me a call. But obviously, it was it was heartbreaking, you know, to to my mum and I was terrified I'll be honest with you, you know it's just everything's so alien you know you don't understand the language or anything and it's all sort of it's like living in a dream sort of thing do you remember what you said
2: <coughs> yeah to my mum sounds like you guys are really it's gonna crazy. be all
0: right it's gonna be all right and then a breakdown and cry and go mum I'll be all right I'll be all right you know and don't worry just everything will be fine and I was a state to be honest I mean, my head was all over you know um but I still believed as a British, you know, citizen that we we've got power and they'll do something for us and I won't be here and that's not the case. That is not the case. What about your other family members? You had a son, didn't you? So you got a son? Yeah. Um my son was, my son was 18 at the time. Um so it was very hard sort of for him, you know, because we are very close and things, and he sort of had to take the role on that I always oh, had like sort of head of the family where i'd make sure everyone was okay and they'd all sort of come to me and now all of a sudden he had a lot to take on his shoulders his girlfriend was pregnant with, with um my first grandson he was born in uh, march so he, he had an hard time basically because he lost his cousin as well his cousin got stabbed and killed so um yeah it was a quite a bad time but I'm very proud of him, he's, he's, he's stepped up to the mark, so. What about your girlfriend? Um, like I say, I, the, the girl I was with at the time, we'd previously been together sort of in our early 20s for five years. Um, we'd sort of rekindled, it was together about three months before I went away, and ironically, she said a couple of weeks before I went, my worst nightmare would be for you to go to jail, sort of thing, and I'd be like, it's my worst nightmare.
2: She manifested it.
0: Well, I'm thinking of the English jail <laughs> was my worst nightmare, you see, yeah. Um, but she did wait for me for nearly three years or something like that, and obviously it gets to a point where when I got the 20 years, you know, 20-year sentence, she's not going to stay. I didn't want her to stay about either, so.
2: Mm. You mentioned earlier, your son. You had him quite young at 17, Yes, didn't you? yeah. And um, what was life like before, obviously, the arrest? What were you doing for work?
0: Um, I was working for a glass company as a glass technician, basically doing this, you know, your frames and things like that, all interior glass, uh, glass doors, glass, so it was a good job basically, yeah, I was, um, was enjoying, enjoying life and just getting on with it, it was a third, you know, well I was actually a grandad when I was in the jail, but 36 year old granddad. so, you know, he's 13 now, he's as big as me, I'm not that tall, but mm. it's like, it's great when he's going, granddad and people are looking oh Granddad, are I'm like, yeah. You know, his dad know him, his granddad. So, so it's nice, because I'd say my son was only 19 when his first son was born as well, so...
2: Young granddad.
0: Yeah. So but that just... was hard, obviously, not, not being there for the birth and stuff. So. Did you have criminal history before you got arrested? Oh, yeah, been arrested a few times for mm-hmm. petty fighting and just sort of, um, you know, ca- sort of car offences and stuff like that. Nothing major. Yeah. Uh, Caught with cannabis when I was younger a couple of times, but nothing sort of major.
3: So you're just a regular family man from Manchester? Well, yeah, yeah.
0: Who ends up with this massive
3: sentence in yeah. India for something you've not even done. It's so it bizarre.
0: Sometimes I couldn't get my yeah. own head around it. Like, what am I doing here? Why? Why should it be me sort of thing? Yeah. Why am I being punished? I'm not such a bad person. You know, so... So your lawyer then says, brace yourself. This isn't the Hilton. What happens next? Basically, I went in the jail um, and I walked in and it was a sunday like say sunday evening so it was all locked down anyway but i see not sort of these double structure barracks dotted about everywhere uh like a concrete jungle we went in um it's called after barracks so basically anyone that arrives after they've locked down after court will still go there <coughs> any new arrivals sort of thing will go in there until so you're allocated murder barracks or drugs barracks or whatever so the first night the first sort of evening I'm sat down, there's a Nigerian kid in there and I sort of clung with him and he was like, there's only about 12 of us in there. It's like a, obviously a massive bar, it's dead echoing, dead eerie sort of feel to it. It's cracked everywhere, it's dirty, it's just horrible. So we're all sat, she says it's food time. So we're all sat across my I haven't cross legs. I couldn't cross them at that point. Eating it at the side and they pass these tin plates down Then they pass these rotis that were sort of that big you know, like cardboard, and then they pass out sort of a bowl of um, dal, which is just dirty water. There's no lentil in it or nothing like that. You might get a bit of an onion if you look lucky. Eh? And then this clump of rice, third-class rice, you can stick your, you know, posters on the wall with it. Mm. Um, so basically I just watched what them, went in Rome, do at Rome's. And So I just watched them and it was a case of they broke the rice down, they mixed it, they eat with the hands. It with the hands, they said they get better flavour from it. And it is actually easier to eat rice and sort of water with your hand. but I just basically watch them. You don't get knives and forks anyway, you know. So I basically watch them, I get, put it on the rot in at the what's it, lay down on, sort of have a big mat where everyone's got to lay together, and that's horrible. You know, you've got some some guy next to you, he's kicking you in the night, but like, ah! you know, frustrating. But it was laid there. Next minute I've heard, like, this cat sound and this cat's coming with all the kittens. So I couldn't sleep, then I'm sleeping again. Next minute, things were, and then there's, like, a big, you know, trail of these big black ants all marching oh. in. And I just thought, where am I? Where am I? How hard was it to sleep? Oh, it was hard. I mean, the, the first, like I said, the first few weeks, I had that sort of hope that I'd be getting out soon. And like, um, obviously, like 60 days, but then that's speaking to the prisoners and they're like, four and a half years they've been here and my case is still. And I'm like, wow, I was like, I'll take me out after you, mate. Wow, you're amazing to do that. You know, I could never sort of envisage me doing that sort of time, not even a year, you know. Um, so, yeah, like I say, then it comes to 90 days, <clears throat> 60 days rather, they extended it to 90. You're still and in it, the barracks? I'm still in the barracks for uh, six, six months. About four months I was in the barracks, like I said, and then I moved to another area and then put into the underbarrack in the May 2010. So what's going on with your case then? that that's 60 days oh, you think yeah, you're getting yeah, nothing, out. Nothing's happening. Basically, what they're saying is they're gathering evidence and everything else. Now, in that period, they found a third box, <sighs> which was detrimental as well because in India, they have uh, a commercial quantity. So for example, heroin's 250 gram or 100 grams. Now, if you have (coughs) like charis, which is, you're allowed up to sort of one kg. Anything below one kg, you get a maximum of 10 years. Anything above, you get a minimum of 10. Same case with mine, it was 500 gram. Now, 7,510, Sleeping tablets was seven hundred and fifty-one grams in weight, mm. which was two hundred and fifty-one over the commercial. So it was a minimum of ten years.
3: Yeah. They
0: How found, did you feel when you found that out? Still confident, I was getting out. Was Because, because <clears throat> everyone, as the book says, that's why I've called it no tension. Yeah. Everyone would be saying, "No tension, Baba. You <laughs> that like ten. You go, you go. Stairsy pam only. You get off easier." I Men, I do, like, say, one month, two months, Are oh, you going, you going, jamming? Like, jamming's like bail. You go in. So I was also on the belief as well that it's only Dazipam. They've not got no CCTV of me going in the place. They've not got, you know, we me mean possession. They've got nothing. They've just got my paperwork. That's all they've got.
2: Because it's not exactly an A-class joke. And I don't know, did you have the impression, as I always had this in my mind, that if I got arrested abroad you could run to the embassy. Oh
0: well, yeah. I'm thinking the embassy'll get me out no problem. Mm. Now the art embassy are better than say the African embassy cuz they'll turn up, but they don't do anything. At the end of the day, why who am I? Why would they risk bilateral agreements? Now if I'm some bigwig, some, you know, some famous guy and something, maybe they'll try and do something for me. But obviously I am a nobody, so so your family at this point, their spirit's are buoyed because they think you're getting out as well. Have yeah. any of them come to visit you at all in the yeah. first month? Yeah, my mum and my son come over in the January. We worked it out where it would be my date. I speak Hindi sometimes mm-hmm. when I'm talking. It would be my date sort of in this January 2010. I've been in there sort of six, seven weeks. They come over. Unfortunately, i got no guards. So we had to have, the, we had to have a muller cat, it's called. <clears throat> and it's basically a screen... Like a, call it a jelly screen, you know, metal grill, and it's sort of from here to yourself, or maybe a bit further back, and you'd be shouting, but there'd also be another ten people shouting to their family. What? So you couldn't hear. Oh, slow this Visitation.
3: Yeah. There's a metal screen between you and the visitors. Yeah, and a gap. And everyone just randomly shouting at everyone? Yes. You're not
0: like in the cubicles with your no, family? No, On the opposite side? No, it's just a run of six things. run of six on that side. Yeah, yeah, shouting over each other. And,
2: and how far's the gap between you and about your family? a couple of metres. That's, yeah, that's... So yeah, how,
3: how easy was it to communicate if everyone's just
0: shouting at everyone? It's just that's a scream really. Do <laughs> sign language. You can't even hug your mum? It was hard, no. That was the hardest bit. I couldn't give him a hug. Oh. That was the hardest bit, you know. Some things are like, you know, I mean there was a lot of there was a lot of times where I thought I was getting out on bail, I thought I was gonna try and escape at one point. I you know, there's a lot of different times where so all these things give me that light at the end of the tunnel as well. well let's go over okay. those things
3: slowly. So what was the point then when you thought, hold on a minute, something's not quite right yeah. with me getting out mm. in the early
0: phase um well like i said because you're under trial yeah you're open remand that, that means remand, it's remand sorry yeah do you have to go court every month every two weeks you're supposed to go to every court. every two weeks you have to go court you get a date they call it tarik tarik but tarik, they say because you get a date and then you go to the court and they give you another day and you go again they'll give you another two week nothing happens with your case yeah the judges are so lazy they get there at 11 o'clock and they're leaving at four and then having an hour dinner in between and you think all them cases you've got piled up. Yeah. The Chief Justice of India went on the telly crying, crying because of the millions of cases backlogged and said, we won't get through them in 10 years. And all they're doing is more, more cases coming on. So <clears throat> basically, um, the, um, well, well lost my train of thought. So heart,
3: what right? I asked you was in that, in those early months, you know, you, you the hope is yeah. up, but what, When was the crossover where you thought, this isn't quite right, I'm in the deeper shit than I thought? Yeah,
0: when they produce sort of the charge sheet, that's when you get it after 180 days, you can get access to it. And then I was looking, everyone peruses the charge sheet, see if they become their own lawyer, if you like, see if there's any loopholes they can find. Um, So I got my charge sheet and I'd go through it with sort of people, educated people, and they'd be like, there's nothing on you, you're going to go. It's just a case of getting your trial finished. So I didn't expect to be waiting three years, eight months for all my witnesses. They gathered 13 witnesses.
2: From where?
0: (laughs) One from the post office. Like, they they call them punch witnesses. So when they get the goods, you have to, like, have a a gazetted office or to sign it off. And basically that can be a loophole if you're not uh, eligible to do that sort of, uh, as that job. Then that's a loophole. They planted it on you, things like that. So they have like five punch witnesses. Yeah, I opened it. I resealed it. That says ex- Exhibit A two and all the rest of it. Uh, and the rest were just made up of the hotel person and to prove that was in the hotel. Course it was in the hotel, you know. But it's just long delays. And then near the end of it, they wanted, the prosecution wanted to call back the witness again from Goa. Now, the witness from Gawa, they're obviously not going to come for a few weeks, and then they don't come. and So a lot of the times you'd go, there'd be no prosecutor there. Your lawyer will not be there, or the judge will not be there, or you will not get guards to go. So there'd always be some sort of problem. But every two weeks, you'd have that hope of, yeah, I'm going out. You'd get your shirt on and get ready like a normal person for a change, you know and then you get let down by guards not coming, or you get let down when you go to court and they're, like, straight back to the prison. So was it before the sentence that you started
2: coming up with escape plans?
0: No, it was after the sentence. Well, okay. What else happened in the first year? Um, like I said, I got moved into the underbarack after sort of six months, um, and I was a lot settled in there because they weren't as many people. They were all educated. Uh, myself and Santos would do, like, Play Ludo, we do crosswords, and he was better English than me, you know, he's a very educated man. <laughs> There's a lot of different religious services. I mean, you've got the three factions mainly. You've got, it's mainly Hindu, uh, It's a obviously, it's a Hindustan state. You've got maybe 20, 25% are Muslim, and you've probably got 5% Christian within there. Like I said, that's a lot, a lot of the African people. You still get uh, Christian um, Indians, if you like, as well. But you find they're more from the north, Himalayas side and things and I think that's because again the Raj all the officers, the English British officers used to stay there and they sort of follow on our our values and things like that, you see. So Did you have a foreign nationals like click? Um well yeah. I mean all the Africans have stick together. Um then again it was like Muslims had all stick together. It's a very very powerful religion where they're all sort of together and they look you know they look after each other mustafa used to mustafa Dosa, the big guy on their religious festivals um you know the ramadan and things he used to buy all the fruit every day for him to break the fast he used to buy them all new um uh, sh kameez and they called you know like the, the the suits they wear and that They used to provide everything for him so what about violence in the first year did you see any Oh, every day you see violence, but it was funny um, because the first sort of few months, like I say, I was in the barrack and in the morning, everyone had run to the gate. You try and get in the line for your water. If you had a bit of money, you had a bucket, you know. So I didn't at this point but borrow a bucket off someone. All the sort of untouchables and all the sort of um, poorer people, they'd be in the other section and that used to trickle out. As you support a bit faster, you know, that used to trickle So basically you had these metal pots for your food, they'd use them, fill it up, shower with them. But there'd be 20 hands in there and they'd all be whacking each other with these metal pots and the next like, bam! <laughs> bam! Bam! <laughs> bam! 20 each other with these. Oh, it's funny. For the first few weeks it was funny, it was amusement every day, every day. <laughs> and then after a couple of weeks, got fed up. I thought, every, every, oh, every morning, this, do you know what I mean? Um they're not really fighting people. They'd slap. A lot of them had slap. <coughs> they slap, well, that's more humiliating. i think rather you whack me, you know. But um, I, did, I didn't did see violence, but I know there was a lot, different stuff went on as well. well. well did you see any guard brutality or were aware of it? Oh yeah. In the first year? Oh yeah, I mean, you stepped out of line, they'd all get you out there and get, it's like latter, they call it. It's like a bamboo stick and they just beat you. You yeah, heard really? them screaming in the morning screaming before they open up because they'd done something the day before they found drugs on them or whatever and they found a phone
2: was there a lot of drugs in there
0: different times it was it depends on how strict it was at the time um so for example one time uh, santosh and mustafa dosa was getting close and stuff and one of their enemies if you like was based in a tanner jail another 15 mile away in mumbai and um am trying to think of his name but he was based there. Uh, one of sansashi's old shooters got a gun in there and gone to shoot him so it was locked down for us they're all saying has set it up from in there and so then things like he had a phone in there so it was like tricky times and you know sort of so certain times was a bit more easier Some happened went a lot more strict down. So first year is your
3: adjustment year, what happens in the second year? Have
2: you been sentenced yet? Sorry. No, three and a half
3: years.
0: Yeah, no. Three nope. and a half years before yeah. sentence. Three yeah. years, eight months it was yeah. Um, go, go do the second year first before. Second year like I say just, again it was just sort of, I was in the underbarrack. that was sort of 2011 time at the end of that year, Santosh come in, uh, life started getting easier. Now I mentioned a Filipino guy that used to be a hander now he's called Ray um he was it was a mule basically sending heroin um for the bigger guys uh three and a half kilo heroin it was I think and he got acquitted after three and a half years so he'd done well but like say he wasn't happy the prosecution they went to go to high court so we had to stay in the country wouldn't give him his passport back etc now he needed money so my family arranged to give him like 50 pound a week uh every couple of weeks. Uh, he was sending my letters on then, because we were getting lost, you know, a lot of people were writing, so I'd sort of write 10, 15 letters, because I had my status now with Santa, so I could set things out. I used to go to the court, I used to get, we had a phone, I used to, I used to have a, a knee pad. So this knee pad, I'd stick the batteries in, Go to the court with the empty ones. He'd give me three new ones. You pay the guard. Then like, go in the toilet, put them back in. So we used to bring them. Used to bring money. I used to come back in the jail. and They'd be like, "Oh, bye." Yeah. Like giving me respect, the guards and that. Give me a tap down. Oh, yeah, go. Jump. Next minute, they all the black guys are like squatting and stuff. They're going, "Why is he getting away with it?" And they had to squat and go naked and all sorts. So it was good in that sense. The guards in the round the actual um Court area, there was dead open, there was like dead free. you may, oh, there's used to say, You're Santosh Anna's good mate, aren't you? From England, from for on and no. all no, no, lesson. You stay no problem. So, I'd stay till four or five o'clock, get dinner, walk about the court, you know. So, it was like it was massive, it was only a small thing, but it was massive. It was so Ray basically was working for us then, he'd come in the morning. He'd bring a, a load of eggs. They had to be broken, like in a bag. And then Santos should have a couple of workers. They, they have a metal plate, so you you basically make the food warm, get a little fire going underneath like camping. You'd have fried eggs, scrambled egg. It was massive. It was absolutely... I mean, he wants to eat rice for breakfast when you've got eggs. <laughs> like, yeah. You know. <clears throat> so for the next sort of... It was a lot easier, 2012, up until sort of 2000, mid-2013. It wasn't easy, but it was a lot easier. I had the free run of the jail. The guards were letting me go out. I remember walking into the murder barrack and I was a bit sort of apprehensive. Santos was going, I want you to go and meet this guy, Vijay Palande, one of my shooters. And I read about him in the papers, and he's a bit of a, like, multi-murderer, you know. And I thought, I don't want to go and meet this guy, really. But I'll tell you what, I got in there and they're all it they was all great. It was all absolutely sound and again because of him, I think. Straight away they thought he's accepted me, we'll accept him. All the guards love me and everything and you know, so it was it was easier life, let's say. Tell yeah. us about how you came to purchase
3: the Nokia and the drama that unfolded with the guy you've got the Nokia off. I got the
0: what off, sorry. Oh, Nokia. The phone, the yeah, Nokia yeah. phone. Um was that was the one in um that was when it was sentenced actually. Um and I'd gone to a place called Kolpore and I actually had my own cell in Kolpore. And it, they, they say it's a punishment in the no because 'cause it's got no fan and everything else, no music or tele or anything. But obviously for me it was <laughs> ideal to be on my own away from all these these lot.
1: <laughs>
0: and um like I say you have the same sort of structure again. The cell was probably six foot, be it ten foot, I, you, you wall with your know, all in the floor. But what I'd done was i put towels in front. They didn't like it because you could be doing stuff, but I'd have towels there. And, um... Yeah, so there was a guy who was supposed to bring me the phone in. Um, he was using one. Now, obviously, everyone's convicted in this jail, so no-one goes to court. So you've got to rely on the guards to bring anything in for you. And... Um, this guy used to jog every morning. Yeah. The youngest guy and I used to have a jog with him and stuff. And he said, let me use your cell and then I'll give it to you on a Sunday. I'd have it on a Sunday because you'd be locked in all day. There'd be less chance of getting caught, less chance of getting a check on a Monday morning as well. So, you know, to hide it and stuff. So I used to get it sort of on a Sunday. And I let him use my cell, I'd keep an eye out by that. So this day he's gone to court on a Saturday. I've given him 60 quid. I wanted. Uh, sorry, I've, I've sent sixty pound via Ray to his friend's account. He's going to bring me this money in and sort a of phone out whatever else. The guy's gone to court anyway. The Bundy time lock, lock, lock in starts and whatnot. And I was going. I wonder where he is. Wonder where he. Is. He's only got a few of his mates gone to the court through chili powder in the guard's eyes and gone. And that was one one thing I would lost. Um, but yeah, it was hard work. I mean. The thing is with them as well, they're all, they're all midnights at all. Like, they call them cabra, which is an informer. The, you could actually give an Indian your phone, they'll, they'll use it and then go, tell the guard, oh, yeah, there's a the phone. You know, they're so like envious and stuff, and you've got to be really, really careful.
2: But I thought in um, prison, like grasses or snitches...
0: Oh, no, they hail hailed there. Honestly, it's a different... It's weird. strange.
3: It's because they've got sex offenders in the general population as well. Mm. So the first phone you got then, you yeah. asked for a phone that had internet and everything. Yeah, yeah. What did you end
0: up getting? A Nokia, little plastic Nokia thing without, you know, just your basic. Mama's snake on. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> One of them ones. Um,
3: but how did you charge it? I hope you're enjoying the podcast. Here's a word from our sponsor, Manscaped. Cannonballs. This summer, it's not about the size of those cannonballs. Thank God, as I can barely see them. (laughs) Well, they were big enough to do the job, weren't they, Jen? (laughs) We kicked. It's about making a splash with our friends at Manscaped.
2: Prep for barbecue season by making sure your grill master (laughs) has the hottest dog seen this summer.
3: When you're at the cookout, let the meat speak for itself with Manscaped's performance package 4.0.
2: It's time to get ready and not sweaty.
3: The Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 has everything you need to guarantee you'll have the most mouth-watering treat at the party. They have built the ultimate bundle for your summer grooming. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code Shaun20s h a u n twenty at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com and use code Shaun20. Manscaped the perfect way. To get your patties sizzling <laughs> hot this summer. Ooh-ha! Thanks for supporting our sponsor. Back to the podcast. How did you charge it?
0: Right, well, the first one I got was in at Collarport. I got in with um, a guy that worked in the he was an actual doctor and he worked in the pharmacy area called the Dowakana to give out tablets and things, you know, for any injuries. And they had a separate place at the back of there, He had the key for it. So basically it had a charger it, i brought it brought a charger with it. it had no plug you had to get the wires wire it up to the two wires and then stick it in that way other ways to do it is sort of off the tv and things like that at one time i was getting like uh the, the batteries only five pound each chinese ones i get five of them use them, throw sort of thing so depending where you was and certain times you There's always a way, but you don't really want to entrust someone with charging it because then they know.
2: You mentioned a TV then. Did you have a TV?
0: Well, the barracks had a TV. It'd be 19 inch TV, black and white normally, (laughs) and you'd have one channel. So there's nothing to fight Mm. about. You know, I want less channel or this. You'd have one channel. So. Who was the first person you called on your phone when you first got it? uh, It would have been my mum, for sure. I I mean, I didn't really speak much because obviously I. The gate's sort of there. My gate's here. It's all open, if you like. It's so hot. You're not sort of enclosed anywhere, so you're straight out into the air. And I'd sort of sit there, I'd have a newspaper and a text. I'd have it down there and I'd just keep. And then they'd turn up and go, oh, yeah, and I'd have a chat to them and that. And then they had gone and then back again, sort of thing. You can't see, unless someone's watching for you, you can't see when they're going to turn up. And they just, they're there all of a sudden, you know. And everyone wants to talk to me. They want to learn English and all that, and they want to know about England, and sex is free, and it's not free, mate. You've got to take them for a meal or take pictures or something. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I mean, it's open because it's such a taboo in India, even though they made the Karma Sutra, you know. And that was another story I can lead to where my friend, when I had it all boxed off in there with Santosh, I was getting my mail in without them checking it. So I started getting um, pornographic magazines, Oh, the like, honest, they got every day. Like, please, please, can you borrow me today? Like, Why do you want to borrow it today? It's long locking, is it? They've never seen naked women. So they're like kids, you know, in a toy, toy shop and wow. madness, madness. Do you hustle to make a few bucks then? No, I just give them and they come back with a few pages missing. <laughs> 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 yeah, all the guards have come around like, show us that, show us that. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: So your mum was proactive, wasn't she, raising oh, yeah. support for you?
0: Oh, totally. What, what did she do to raise support for you? Uh, basically, we they'd done, they, they done um, two sort of charity nights to raise money to sort of try and pay the lawyers off, um, sort of done raffles and things like that. You said lawyers plural? Uh, I say lawyers because I changed lawyer. Right. At, at, at what
1: one point did you
0: change lawyer? When my case wasn't being heard in the High Court. Because basically, it took six years in the high court. Exactly. Ironically, I was sentenced on the fifth of July two thousand thirteen, and was acquitted on the fifth of July two thousand nineteen. So exactly six years. So I don't know how that happened. Anyway, but um, so so yeah. Where, where Your mum was doing I? charity. Yeah. So she done the um, she'd done these sort of fundraisers. Uh, she got in contact with the local MPs. She got sent letters to um, the Home Secretary. She done everything she could, basically. She was she's a warrior. She was a warrior, you know. God bless her soul. But yeah, without my mum, it would have been a lot like harder to tell you. Without all my family, really, and friends, you know.
2: And how often was she able to visit?
0: She come over maybe six <laughs> times in the sort of period I was there. Uh, when I was sentenced, she'd come over, but I actually paid the guards to go to the hospital every day. And because I was such a big figure then, <laughs> by that point, and had a lot of power, we paid the guards. I was out all day. I got like three days out of the hospital. My mum was horrified. Look at that, pushing that dead person on the road. Like, oh, I'm done. That's this is India, mum. You know. Can you tell us then the build up to the sentencing? Uh, yeah, like I say, um, I was in for three years, eight months until the actual uh, all the witnesses were done and everything else um we've got the odd delay and whatnot obviously along the way we was all like "Yeah, a few more weeks and was getting told this and like I say India's so slow it lasted three years eight months um that day I was going to the court um my lawyer was confident he was say, he kept he'd actually always say just pray just pray you don't know now it was a bit I was a bit worried at the time because um, NDPS convictions was only 8%. Now, everyone used to get off with the drugs cases, mainly because they'd already served most of the time or for whatever reason. And especially sort of some like a, narco, uh, a, a psychotropic, like my own, you know, like a tablet, they'd, they'd normally just walk. Um, but the Chief Justice of India... Did a, put in place they wanted 25% conviction rate only two or three months before everyone was getting convicted in the NDPS courts because obviously they wanted that number up whether it was something to do with that I'm not sure there was other reasons behind it what I think as well I don't think the judge I mean how can one person judge your fate you know he could be biased you know, he could be biased about the British being there or whatever, he might not like white people, or what, but for whatever but, reason. Didn't you hear him say Raj something? Yeah, so, yeah, I was going to get to that, actually. So, in the court one day, and obviously I picked up quite a bit of Hindi by this point, uh, but he speak very fast, and you don't obviously get the odd word, and he was talking about the British Raj <laughs> one day. What relevance it had, I don't know, but it looked like he was saying, well, look at him, you know, He's, he's British sort of thing. Another occasion, um, my lawyer and the prosecutor, this, this old guy, he was he was a bastard. Everyone hated him. He had, like, Gupta, he was called. Everyone's like, who's your prosecutor? Go, Gupta, Gupta. He hated people with a vengeance. He wanted convictions. Um, but basically, a couple of times in the court, the judge would be looking down, talking and that, and my lawyer had flipped this guy's ear. Then he'd pull his coattail off his suit, and I'm like, you're playing with my life. You think this is a fucking game? You're doing this in the court, you know? It was like, crazy. Um, so like I said, leading up to it, I was sort of, I wasn't confident, confident that I was going to get off, but I really didn't expect to get convicted. I just didn't. And we'd gone in the court and he's looked up and he's gone, where's your lawyer? And I said, I don't know, your honour. And he said, well, go and find him. So the guards come out with me. Gone to the next courtroom down. He's sat and it. He's gone, right, right. They're running court to court. There's only sort of so many lawyers. Oh, it's crazy. They don't <laughs> care about just you. They've got, like, hundreds of people to see to. So he's come out and he's like, don't worry, don't worry, all right. So he goes and sits down on the thing and then everyone stands up and he says, right, I'd like to thank you both for, you know, a speedy trial. I say, three years, eight months, speedy. Uh, we've had some things along the way and all that laughs and that like oh yeah it's like a big carnival. <laughs> <laughs> so it's only my life. Carry on. Yeah. So um, then basically give me the words of and I find the um, convict guilty of exporting plan, and I sentence him to ten years for export and I didn't hear this at the time and ten years for possession to run consecutive right so I, it's gone over my head I've stood up and I've gone but I'm, I'm innocent I'm not guilty so and he say sit down I say I'm not sitting down I'm innocent why are you doing this to me and it's like it's okay it's okay and I was like Tarrick tell him tell him <laughs> he'd been telling him for three years but he's obviously not listened has he so my head's all over it was sort of you know it was a bit of a whirl I goes outside Ray was there did you have family members in the court no Ray was there, uh, though, um, and I spoke, got, got the phone and... Oh, actually, he wouldn't let me have a phone call. This judge wouldn't let me call as well. That's another thing why I didn't sort of get on with him. The previous judge did. The judges changed, changed like, right and centre, you know, as well. It's crazy. So this judge would never allow a phone call, you know, a five-minute phone call. So I couldn't speak to my family except Sansosh had the phone. You know, we used to hide it in the hole in the floor and stuff in the toilet area, plastic, plastic. So, so I knew I could speak to them once I got back. But obviously, in these five and a half, I was in front. I was sort of sentenced at 11, 12. My mum's waiting for an answer. Really saying, Shall i Ray saying she'll phone her and tell said, no, I want to do it. But obviously, it's got to five o'clock, six o'clock in the evening by the time they took me prints and photos and everything else. And I got in there and I just... I was well, told and I just broke down, like, I just sentenced to 10 years, but don't worry, we'll, there's a way out. Um, Santos had a lawyer in his pocket, like, it was a bit of a, a bit of a rummant sort of thing. Now, he used to get parole for people. saying, say, don't worry, we'll get parole for you and all that, and then you get off out the country. Uh, <clears throat> I was sentenced. Then four or five weeks later, we was put in the van and took... 12-hour ride down to Colapaw. But everything changes then. The next day I realised, actually, after the conviction, um, so they got through the night. The next morning you have to go for check-in. Now they've got this, like, very coarse, you have to wear a very coarse sort of uh, conviction uniform, Um, sort of very thick cotton pants and shirt anyway. And I had to put that on. Straight away putting that on, you, you don't feel like, as free, you know, you got shorts and T-shirt and stuff normally. <clears throat> so you don't feel a sort of free. And, and then I went to my mate's barrack. There was a, a guy in there from London, uh, been in there a few months. He was 30 kg of uh, cocaine in Ferrari engines over at Mumbai. So this Cockney guy and that were good mates. And I went over and he went, I was so sorry everyone's saying it on the way down and whatnot. And he went, can't believe he's give you twenty years. I went, he's give me ten years. You'd have gone. He went, no, it's twenty. Look at the paper, got the paper, and it's British man gets twenty years and gets me uh, charge sheet. uh, Sorry, the conviction copies and stuff. I look through it, and it's ten years consecutive. Now there's not concurrent. Basically, you know, with an English law, if you do a robbery. You might get seven years for that, two years for breaking it. But the club them all together and you do the seven years a maximum. There's no provision in India because they're based on our law as well. Um, so how he could give that, I don't know. But then that prevented me from going from, because uh, we've got a bilateral agreement, but it prevented me then for doing a transfer agreement back to England. That takes up to 18 months, apparently. I could have transferred to England and done 50% of my remaining sentence. So three years eight months, let's say five years. If I got ten, two and a half in England, out because it was twenty, I would have been doing fourteen years or whatever half of that. So I, we decided as as a family as well to go to the high court and fight it. Uh, I knew it'd take a couple of years at least. So in the meantime, like I said, this lawyer was in uh, got in touch was he said for a thousand pound. We can sort something out. Now, what we had to do is, it was around September time, I'd been in there sort of um, beginning of August, sort of a couple of months I'd been in the prison, and they had a library area and they had a big map of India on, and I used to go there more, more than I could sort of thing, <clears throat> and I'd planning my route. Now, the best route was to Delhi. From Delhi over to Nepal, through Nepal Gange, mm-hmm. Paid it. Pay the guys on the um, crossing, border crossing, into Nepal, flight home. Problem is, is when you get out, you have to do every day sign at the police station. And my plan was get a week's bail, go to police station, three, four days. I need a couple of days in Goa. There's a couple of hundred quid. You sign me in. 24 hours to Delhi on a posh coach where it won't get pulled by the police on the way. And over there, I had it all, all arranged anyway, it was all set up. Now, what we had to do is bring a family member over to India, so my son agreed to come over with my late stepfather uh basically he stayed there for a month uh the first couple of weeks it was in he had to go to the hospital. then the lawyer arranges a police report, he arranges something else, so they all get the back then it goes through so he's got the paperwork to so go into court and say, "Look, this is my client. he should be out. his son's in hospital." He needs to be with him, whatever else. He wants too happy. Kyle, my lad, going in this hospital. You can imagine what these hospitals are like. Oh, my God. So he wants too happy, but <laughs> he'd done it. All went through. Um, and I was waiting. I was obviously dead anxious at the time because I didn't have any sort of connection. I'm getting letters, which has taken a longer time now because I had to post them to Ray in Mumbai. It still take three or four days. He'd scan them and send them via that way sort of thing but I wasn't getting sort of what's going on. Um, and then, um, sorry, I've got sort of blank again then. So this is your plan. Yeah, so um, he's coming over, like say, the first few days he'd done that. He got all reports, he went to the high court, the judge said he's a foreigner, he's a high risk, I'm not going to let, let him grant the bail, you know, the, the temporary bail sort of thing it's called. Same again, he had to go back in the hospital again, get all more reports again through. And they went back to the ju- uh, judge again, and this high court judge, a different one, has said, right, I'm going to give him bail for 10 days. But he has six officers with him, he has to pay for them, and he's only getting out morning till evening, he's got to go back to the jail. So it was no good to me, basically, because I couldn't escape. So that sort of plan went...
3: Did there come a point then where you just were resolved to get on with it?
0: Um, there was always sort of that shining light, though there was always some sort of thing to give me a bit more hope. Mm. You know, um, we got a lawyer on board from Birmingham. He was an Indian sort of heritage guy and he come over, he paid a bit of money, got some of a couple of lawyers in, paid the superintendent. We had like a meeting in the superintendent's office. He's like, I'm going to get you out. This is scandalous. Blah blah blah. This shouldn't happen. I went. This is Indian law, mate. It's different. You can't bounce over it, saying this, that, and the other. Um. He went back home, and they had a big meeting in Manchester. Uh, it was basically opening a chambers, a number five chambers, it was called. So it was it was for his benefit, not mine. Uh, he started saying, "Oh, pay twenty thousand pound. I can get this lawyer. I can get that lawyer." I know the lawyer's better than you, who's here, but I don't want to pay £20,000 to get that lawyer because it's not going to speed it up. They've got face value, but what they'll do is they'll get another lawyer that I paid £2,000 for, that like I had, and they'll use them all the way. So. And because
2: of your innocence, did you remain quite optimistic or was there a point where it started to take a toll on your mental health?
0: I knew I'd get out after 10 years. I knew it because there was no way it could go, could do 20 um, like I say just basically I had to take year by year um, after the three years eight months like I say I found out about um, Kyle's cousin Dean being killed and I found out my, mom, my nan had died And you know obviously they told me you can't grieve as the same because you're finding out it happened three years ago they kept told my mum told to protect me basically but I said I need to know these things so in future you know you need to tell me sort of the bad times as well, so I can deal with it here, even though I can't do anything. Um, obviously, there's things I missed. My two granddaughters were born as well. That was another big times that I missed, and just your general everyday things, isn't it, as well, you know. Um, was it the, did the conversation with the girlfriend occur around when you were sentenced? Yeah, once I got to um I managed to get hold of a phone in there after a month or so. Um, and we was just texting like I say. Whoa, that <laughs> <laughs> was good. Dave, I to cut that bit. Got a blooper. Hey, I think that was me mum. Saying So she hasn't been me mum. She keeps doing <Yeah>. little things like. Does she? <laughs> so she's doing little things like this just to make sure she knows i still. She's still here.
2: See, do you see like white feathers? I see. I think yeah, I hear a couple a lot of, people of times. Say, yeah. Like when someone's past, they white yeah, line that someone's passed.
0: See what. But she turn me music on and stuff like what? that and yeah. Just the telly will be going on and stuff and I'm <laughs> thinking been a few things lately. But I don't believe in that. And Good. Yeah, okay. All right, cheers.
3: So, we were on about was it the conversation with the girlfriend? Yeah. Yeah, um oh well, I'll ask you to get them. Um so the conversation with the girlfriend happened around the time you got sentenced, didn't it?
0: Yeah, uh, like a couple of months after I was sentenced, like I said, I went down to a place called Colapaw Prison. It was towards Goa, like four hours' drive from Goa. Uh, the, the prison was less... It was not a big city, basically, so it was more green as well. It was more space, spaced out. So that was a good, you know, side of it. There a lot of greenery there. Um, got, a, got a phone, like say, about six weeks after got in touch with uh, my ex-girlfriend, and obviously she was saying, you know, I can't wait that long. And I was I was obviously in agreement. I said, I, w- I wouldn't want you to, you know, you've got to move on with your life and everything else and sort of, you know, but this is in the pipeline. I'm going to escape and I'll be home anyway. And so like I said, there was always a positive sort of with the negative as well. Because they're going through it with you, aren't they? Of course. I, I remember my mum saying, it's like you're grieving. She's, she was grieving me. You're not dead, but you're not there. And you're not in Spain where you can just nip across and, you know, it's a 12-hour flight and stuff. There's a lot of money as well. And and then you don't get the actual visit in the court. You can't hug them and stuff. And so, if you love them and you're unrealistic quite
3: often, you want them to stay with you. But if you love them and you're realistic, you don't want them suffering, you've got to set them free.
0: Yeah, cadet, mate, yeah. yeah. Did you cry
2: yeah. after the breakup?
0: Um... Do you know what? I think that was in the back of my mind because i just got years, so that was my most. Do you know what I mean? Mm. That sort of overshadowed what's going on. So sort of that obviously I was upset. Um, she might be watching, but be careful what you say. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah she's got a new fella now, so better, i better better don't that. No, I mean, we've never met after it. It caused problems with my next two relationships, to be honest. Yeah, because I, I had the thing where I wanted to meet her and get a closure, that type mm. thing. But, you know, that's another yeah. another story anyway,
3: so... So, all right. So, what? Did, how did the conditions change from remand to sentenced?
0: Um, like I say, it was the conditions were virtually the same. Where'd you be? got the barrack systems, but there were smaller barracks. Uh, there was only sixty men in these, but there was obviously smaller space as well. You still be, you might have a you know a little bit of a gap between each thing. There is a bit better, um, but after again after a few weeks. I was, I was just couldn't adapt to that, that many people. And that is always, you know, call it cow, 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 like the uh, like the ravens and stuff. It was just, you get no space where you can just go and just get a minute to yourself, you know. Had you picked up the basics of the language by that fourth year? Yeah, I'd sort of knew 10, 10%, 15% maybe. Uh, so I could get by with with ones that I knew a bit of English as well, really. Uh, Yeah, so then I was I requested to be put in a separate barrack, and the only separates that was open at the time was in the uh, hospital area. Now it's one of my favourite bits in the book. Yeah. So in the hospital area, um, there was actually a lot cleaner. Um, There was tiled, if you like, and it it was quite relatively new compared to a lot of the other areas. You know, with all the stones missing out of you got big chunks missing out the floor and things it's actually quite nice there the only problem is is everyone had hiv or they had tb or they had no legs or arms i mean there's a lot of disabilities like in england and that's what used to give me the motivation to carry on as well i'm, I'm, I'm in a bad situation but i'm not in his situation someone's washing his ass describe mm. moving into that what was it like into that area. Yeah. Um, like I said, I didn't want to go at first. I've gone and sort of done a recce with someone. You can't walk about. It's very, very, I had freedom at the other jail. I was well respected and look, now everything goes back to normal. The food's changed straight away. Oh. I'm on rice three times a day. I'm not getting eggs again now. I'm not with no gangster, you know? So, that, the the living situation, again, you're putting like an afterburner. So you you like, going back to step step one, you know, once you're sort of in a place and then you can settle in and you can, you know, work into sort of, a, when you move from pillar to post, it's like, again, it's like you back to square one. It's really stressful, isn't it? Every it transition is. is stressful. It is, yeah, it definitely is. So I wanted that separate, now it was a case of, should I go with all these diseased people or should I stay where I am now? Obviously, when I first went in, I was a quite, what's it, about HIV? I was, I was ignorant. I didn't know, sort of, about the disease. And, obviously, you can't catch it by talking to people. So, by that point, I'd realised that, yeah, I can live with these people. And they're actually normal human beings. Just unfortunate they've they've got this disease. There was another area called the Buddha Barrett, which is for old men, over 60s and that. You know, they're, sort of, on the last breath and stuff. And then you've got the mental barrack next door. So some of the things that these mentalists have done, you know, it'd be good entertainment every day. I moved in there. I'd become friendly with a guy called uh, Sanjay. Um, and what actually happened was I managed to get a phone. There was nowhere to hide it in the cell. So I used to dig a hole at the back of the cells. There was a tower at the back. So I used to get behind the wall, dig it, put it in. the so watch out. I needed someone as, you know, some confident, if you like. Um, At that point, I wasn't hiding it there, I was hiding it in my pillow because the pillow's what you get. They have, uh, you know, the coconut hair from around the coconut. The stuff with that. (laughs) So for them to find the phone, they've got to rip all, I mean, they'd squeeze it, they'd squeeze it and bend it and it's only that big, isn't it? And it'd be right in. So unless they pulled it all out, I used to leave it in there. Uh, Now they know the people have got the potential to get a phone. They know Sanjay's not got 50,000 rupees to go and pay the guard for the phone but they know I can do it. They always call me Kalatopa and so <laughs> Kalatopi means black cap. It's like a Gandhi thing if you like and it means you're very shrewd. You're very sort of switched on and yeah, you, know, you could do that and sort of streetwise if you like. So they used to give me an extra search now and again. Do you know what I mean? A few months down the line I had a bad knee I'd had it for a couple of years, and I think it was a, a meniscus tear or something. I was limping a lot, and I couldn't train proper. So I requested to go back for to JJ Hospital, which is in Mumbai. Now, there's only... You've got Mumbai, if you like, there on the southwest coast. Four hours, five hours drive down, you've got Pune, which is your next metro city, if you like, with another big hospital. And then you've got a hospital in Kolhapur, but it's not like a government hospital. They're very, very far in between each other, I wanted to go to Arthur Old, requested, you have to write an application to the DIG, it's like the Director Inspector General of all prisons within Maharashtra, which is the state, so you have to write to her, she's okayed it, but they've told me on the last minute, it was a Saturday morning, Sanjay was doing yoga in some barrack, and the superintendents called me and went, right, get your stuff, you're going to Pune, I went, I'm not, he went, yeah, you're going to hospital in Pune? So I went, no, i am got half a road. He went, no, you're not. you got Pune. I went, I don't want to go. He went, well, you can't cancel it. The guards are there waiting. You've got half an hour. What am I going to do with my phone? What am I going to do with the stuff I've got? So I went and got Sanjay. And luckily, he dug it, dug it and then stuck it in the ground for six weeks till I got back. So he was
2: reliable?
0: He was. He was a good lad. What here. was his story? He uh, killed somebody for giving, him, he, for giving him the HIV. He Dang. killed the person, yeah. Wow. Because the person didn't tell him, the girl.
2: Oh, my God. Mm.
0: Do you know how he killed her? Stones.
2: stones. Stone dead stuff.
0: Yeah. Wow. wow. Big stones and that, yeah.
2: So was it quieter there in the, the hospital where you were staying?
0: um it was more busy i'd say because in the daytime people becoming at a certain point you're allowed to go and get your tablets for any ailments you know if your arm's falling off you can get a paracetamol if your legs falling off they'll give you a paracetamol if you're half dead they'll give you a paracetamol. everything paracetamol. paracetamol are clear everything yeah i had malaria five times in the first jail because in the book you describe entering the cell with
3: all these people with arms and legs missing and eyes yeah. missing and stuff what? Yeah. what was that like just seeing all those people
0: Um, I felt better. (laughs) Ironically, I felt better because I thought I've not, I've not got a disability. I'm just unfortunate that I'm stuck here. And like I say, it was harder for my family. So I used to really feel for them. You know, it's easy. I, I know I'm all right. I'm okay. They don't know I'm okay. You know, so for every day for them, it was Really tough, I'd say. Was this where the dwarf came into it as well? Yeah, he was in the hospital area, yeah, yeah. What was he like? Uh, He's a nice guy. Nice guy. He was actually very, very intelligent. Very, very intelligent guy. I couldn't speak to hardly any of them in the hospital area, but me and him used to, and in India, they walk walk hand in hand. Yeah, it's like a mate thing, you know, you put your arm around your mate. They walk hand in hand. hand in hand. Well, I'll give you a funny story. Back in 2007, I think me and my mum was in Goa on the beach and she's like, these guys are why." She went, "Paddy, have you brought me to the gay bit? <laughs> I'm like, no. <laughs> no, I went, that's well, just India. And the guy's saying, that's what they do. And I'd see it all over the jail. You know, big strapping guys and they're like swinging hands. And I'm like, wow. it's just, So he'd always grab your hand. People would go, no, no, we don't do that in England. We don't do that. No, it's a gay thing. Like I'm not gay. We don't do that. But the uh, Sanji, San, San Dippy was called rather the this dwarf. I used to walk up and down with him, you know, to pass your time with talk and that. Conversing Hindi, knew a bit of English. And a couple of times he grabbed me and I go whoa whoa. And in the end I just started walking with him <laughs> <laughs> a, because I thought. It's like Kai, my son. Yeah. I've been doing at home. Kai would be about the same height now, you know. Big cancel now, boy, yeah. It's like having my grandson walking about my grandson. In, in
3: your head, was that just normal at the time? or were you thinking, how surreal
0: is this? Oh, it's just the <laughs> man. He's walking along, holding a dwarf's hand in an Indian. Indian. I know. Surreal. <laughs> surreal, mate. Honestly, a lot of things were surreal. Just like, I'd to give me head a wobble and think, where am I? What, <laughs> what is this? Um, what is this? <laughs>
2: what else apart from holding his hand did you do to pass the time?
0: Um, well, they did at a certain times. They'd done um, they done like a competition in the jail for a couple of years. A new superintendent comes, quite quite good. So they'd have a cricket competition, sort of thing. So you'd be able to go out and you'd be able to watch that. Um, they'd have like carom. They have a carom. It's basically a, like a two foot by two foot board. Like a pool table if you like, with pockets and you have disc and you flip the disc. But they like superb. But wanna go in there, wanna go in there and they bring it back there and so they'd have that and a chess sort of competition. So now and again it was they would sort of um, put a bit of get the boredom out of the way. Uh, after a few years, about four years into it when I was there, maybe three or four years, they brought a yoga teacher from outside every day. Um, and they've got like a stage area. So for Diwali festival and all the Hindu festivals, you might have like, they'd all put on a dance or a bit of a song and you know, everything else. Um, so yeah, there was one point as well. Um, they started on the tannoy system, they started playing uh, a few songs every day, sort of between one and 2 PM while you're locked in. One of my friends, he used to get out on parole all the time. He was in for murder. Um, Emile Jerome, he was, a, again, very well-to-do guy. He was a, in the Navy. The story about him, anyway, he ended up killing his girlfriend's lover. She got three years, he got ten and got off. There's this film about him and everything. But he was going out. So luckily, for three months on parole, and then he was managing to bring in fire sticks. So he had, like, Bob Marley music. and So every day he'd be there, I'd be like... He playing one, one song for me every day. So to hear English music, it was incredible for so long, you know. I just want to expand on that because I found that an interesting part of the book, No
3: Tension. He walked in on them, didn't he? Who's that? Oh, I
2: was going to say, were they... He walked in on, on them. The lovers. The yes. there was so missus in the... Yes.
3: And then she uh, was a co-conspirator in the murder, wasn't she? Yeah. How so?
0: Well, she hid the knife and everything. The, the newspaper said he got chopped up in 300 pieces. Mm. How would you cut someone up to 300 pieces? It was three. Three. He never admitted, but he. I used to ask him all the time. It was three, yeah? What, three? Head, head, body and legs, yeah. Rex. And they've dumped him in, they call the Western Gats. It's loads of, uh, obviously there's a lot of sparse land in India, so sort it's of all the foresty area. They've dumped him there, but they've been found and... Wow. But what a guy, what a nice, nice guy. You never think. Honest to God, he was so, so nice, sweet guy. You would never put this. I in. found
3: that with crime of passion people crime as well. Crime of passion. He is. lived completely normal lives, got a job, misses family, whatever, come home one day, misses his banging the pool cleaner, yeah. gets the gun out,
0: bam. Well, well saw that it. in Arizona. Yeah. yeah, you blank it, don't you? It's a blank, yeah. innit? You know? Yeah. He's blanked out for a few minutes. They end up stabbing him and, right, what do we do? Sometimes Chap they kill both of them, though, as well, don't they? We? Mm. Yeah, mm. yeah. yeah. But yeah, so we used to bring, uh, like I say, the fire stick, uh, the, what, the USB stick, so they'd get music on now and again. But it went not all good. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I said, the yoga was brilliant for me especially. I started doing it for a couple of years. Then I actually started teaching everyone the yoga oh, after a man. bit of time, yeah. yeah. So for an hour and a half every morning, it was fantastic. You've got the birds tweeting, you've got, you know, the warm weather. You could really get into it and it's like a natural high and I feel so so relaxed through the day and all my tension's gone. No tension. Yoga and meditation no. got me through it as well. It's yeah. brilliant, isn't it? That's it is.
2: The only thing I hear from prison stories that really benefits people is yeah. yoga.
0: Yeah, but yeah. out there as well because it's their thing. Mm. You know, you would see these yoga masters... They'd be eighty-five years old with not a single wrinkle. They'd be bending the legs. They'd be walking erect, like upright. Look like a thirty-year-old man. Yeah. And because they're so, everything's pure. They no no shit going in there. No every day. Yeah. It's just honest to God. It's. They look godly. Like an aura around them, Mm -hmm. you know, like a glow. And everyone comes and touches their feet, and (laughs) like some type (laughs) of god. But yeah, I'd I'd do it. Obviously, where I was in Collypur. there's so many languages in Hindi it's untrue Mm Hindi is the main language but in Maharashtra they also speak Maratha is their mother tongue now I learnt a bit of Marathi as well mainly numbers and other things and it's very similar to Hindi as well so I'd I'd speak in a bit of English a bit of Hindi Mm -hmm. and a bit of Maratha you know Mm -hmm. so it'd be like sort of so it's like take a breath in and out (laughs) and then it'd be ek do, so you'd count them then to hold the breath mm-hmm. and then release one, two, three. So yeah, I used to teach them for an hour. I used to go back to my barrack and maybe have a bit of breakfast. Uh, you get yellow rice for breakfast or another thing like, a, I couldn't even describe it. It's like a wheat type thing all squashed together on a Thursday. But have a bit of breakfast and then I'd basically go for a walk around the barracks, walk it off and then do a bit of training. We used to make weights, makeshift weights from clay, like get a bit of a pole, nails in the end, mix it with the coconut hair, and then set it in the sun and you'd have, you'd have dumbbells and stuff. So.
3: And speaking of your workout regimen, we've got Baz's actual diaries mm. that documented his journey through the system... And um, I'll let you read some of that, because it's, it, 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 every day you document your exact exercise routine, aren't
0: you? Did I put it in this as well? I've yeah. not even looked at it, mate. Could you, know, you read, read a couple of, of them for I the viewers? It, it, yeah. Yes. I, I can't can see. even read my own writing, you know. <laughs> 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 I've got my on. It's so, so thin. Yeah, basically it starts with exercise, and, and I can't even read that, to be honest, mate. I can't even, I need my glasses on. Do you want me to have
3: a look? Do you want to have a do it, Jen? The eyesight going no. you have got the best eyes.
2: Feroz gone court.
3: Yeah, that's Feroz who was staying
2: with. Oh, so he's gone to court. Karim and sorted out letters, cards. Oh, so exercise. You haven't said what you're doing. No fixes. Ah. Oh. Um, Tuesday. Waits not rejoined. Stomach and a few dips, except. Ah, right,
0: yeah. So I probably, yeah, logged in what I was doing every day. Just basically, you know, in the morning, write a few lines at the lock-in and write a few.
2: Yeah, no rain today. Too hot.
3: Had
2: a good (laughs) kit. Had
0: a good kit. Yeah. Yeah. Keep going, Jen. These are are Um, fascinating.
2: They are, uh, which, no, lunch, two games of woo.
0: Ludo, it might be. Might be Ludo all that. You were
2: beat two to one though. Oh, wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I did it up often. That was probably. <laughs> that's an odd one. That. But what's this?
0: Yeah. Mo- m- movies. Oh yeah, we actually got movies. Um, yeah, yeah, at one time, we actually they paid for um, a thirty-two inch flat screen TV. Obviously, they paid all the guards and the hierarchy. Obviously, the superintendent gets the most the next person, the three-star will get some. the two-star down to whatever. Now, because they all had money in my area, we arranged to, I tell you what, all these gangsters, they, they fight like girls, honestly. <laughs> Honest to God, the bitching that was going on. So basically, i I done a rotor, right? So it'd be, we'd get it for four days. One area didn't want it. The Muslims, they didn't want to watch telly or movies. So again, Ray would bring like a fire stick, and we'd, one day we'd watch like all day just laying the what's it on you? Uh, we'd watch Fast and Furious 1 to 6 or something like that, all the all Rocky Field or oh, fantastic time that we had that for a few months. But it says in here so, one movie you watched had no subtitles. Oh, right. Some were Hindi,
1: <laughs> obviously,
0: some were Hindi movies. So you'd have to sit through them and try and sort of work it out. But, yeah. but again, with, hin- think- with Hindi movies, um, like the Bollywood movies, it'd be an action film, you know, the people getting blown up and shot, <clears throat> and then halfway through, go to, call it item number, and you get a dance. they would be dance for ten yeah. minutes, <laughs> you know, in the middle of a war film. It's just madness. But the item number in the Bollywood films is the main thing that they actually want to see.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, sort of all the dancing and it's madness. Mad. So Father's Day... Had chill haircuts.
2: Got your haircut?
0: Oh yeah, then once a week they come round with uh, the cutthroat blade, so Can you read the rest of that See if mm-hmm. so it triggers any memories in
2: um, it? Um Spoke Remy and VJ Palandi.
0: Ah uh, VJ Palandi, that's one of Santosh's uh shooters. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> so it had ganja today. No yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: Happy <laughs> days. Happy days.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Uh, went 8N, had two chills and top 500. You know what the chills is? Chill Yes,
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> she's added in there.
2: <laughs> and got yeah. top 500 piece strong Mal. Give medical whacker money. W-A-K-A-H.
0: Oh, I'm not sure. What Medi- to...
2: Give medical wacker money. Got Riz there for joint tonight. (laughs) (laughs) And then you did a lot of reading, finished reading City of Thieves?
0: Yeah. Yeah, is that good? I read read many, many books. I probably read 500 books. That was my time, especially on my own in the sort Mm -hmm. of second jail. So, here's one 36
3: degree high, Mm. 25 degree low, hottest. Not too bad today. Not brilliant Kip, but getting motivated again. Done three sets of bicep curls, side bicep curls, bar dips, shoulder press, and lat raises and <laughs> little smiley face.
2: I like, you, you like the little yeah. smiley throughout.
3: Tambi boy, not gone. Still waiting for papers to come. Had
0: some prunes and finished the pineapple off. Oh yeah, she's got a bit of fruit as well at that time. Did you get a
2: poorly tummy from that prunes?
0: um, Well, I'll tell you the story about. I have got a bad stomach now, um, and I blame this on India. It's basically they have the your drinking water comes out of the same pipe as your washing water. Now they'll say a certain time, maybe they switch over some valve, and but I used to fill up in the. Um, in the Collipore jail where I spent most of my time, I used to get a clay pot, it's called a matka, we call it an Indian fridge. Mm-hmm. So it keeps things cool basically. So I fill that with the water, I sort of have cold water throughout the day. But I used to put a bit of um, um, cotton or from one of your old vests or something over the as a filter and you used to pull it away and you'd have a big brown stain. So you think, what type of water you're actually drinking, you know. Recycled sewage you? water. It was. And then I used to get, um, from the embassy, used to come every three months for a visit. So fortunately, I used to give him a list of what I wanted, all my stuff. You didn't get everything, but you could get more stuff. Um, I used to put in uh, like these, It's a drop basically, and you can add to your water. It's like a chlorine, mm. if you like, to, to again clear it. So, but the water and stuff. Did you start to get symptoms then in your stomach? Well, I come home after a couple of months. I got a thing called diverticulitis, which is in your bladder and, uh, sorry, in your uh, colon and everything else. Mm-hmm. And so I've been suffering. I do suffer it's from rough that. that now. Isn't it? Yeah, so yeah. I do suffer from that.
3: Let me continue Um Tambi boy gone at last. He's over the moon. <laughs> Buzzing for him after two and a half years.
0: Mm. which one was that then uh, I can't remember <laughs> you know like I said this is 2011 yeah. I think it's, it's an Indian guy I think he was um, a, pl- a, a police he was in the police that one was he yeah yeah see what they do in India as well, they have a lot of encounters mm. so one gang will pay the police to kill another gang Like a gang member yeah what yeah. they do they take them to the forest get him out, they'll shoot him, they'll fire a couple of other bullets off like it's an encounter. Mm. Like he's trying to shoot them first sort of thing. Yeah. He was in for that. This is
2: confusing. No one guards all week again?
0: That's probably no one got guards all week or something. To go out? (laughs) Yeah. What actually happened at the time as well, he was doing an IPL, you know, the Indian Premier League, for the cricket and all the guards were covering that. So no one was going to court you see so it's like the guards in the prison are the same they all wear the same uniform the guards mm-hmm. on the road and everything you know Tell me, boy um, comes back he must have had his
3: papers ready poor C word <laughs> read most of book and done a
0: puzzle what
3: type of puzzles
0: are you doing I used to do sort of what my mum sent word searches Sudoku yeah. master I am Sudoku uh, master yeah. I can do it blindfolded yeah um, just anything to pass the time you know I'd write a letter might uh do a puzzle and then i'd read a book and that'll pass you sort of a good few hours sort of till the night and then to be honest i was asleep by 10 every night and up at five because uh the call to prayer mm. sort of wake you up anyway you know it's starting one barrack oh, and then it'd be on that barrack and then it'd be like all oh, around the jail you do. and that's the muslim business yeah, yeah yeah
3: Tambi had a quite a day. Didn't this is all happening on August 4th because then he got released later on. You had an apple and wrote an email for Mum and Hev. Read all papers. Now interesting, though. Had four-way woo. <laughs> <laughs> Me, Bo, Remy and Wormuzzi. It's four games. Of it's probably a four-way ludo for players. Yeah. <laughs> I won but didn't finish because bandy.
0: Bundy. Oh, Bundy. Bundy means locking, basically. Oh, locked down. Bundy's yeah. locking, yeah. 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 So.
2: Exercise and got proper bent. <laughs> Off Sohan, give 500 Taka, T-A-K-K-A?
0: Taka? Oh, Taka, yeah. Taka's yeah. A, a, the one that guys. Uh, yeah. So I met that many people. Some have been there for a year, some have been a few months, some have been, you know, a really long time sort of thing, so... Well, I was getting messages from different prisons. You know, there was going, some people come back and go, oh, they all been asking about you, and how's yeah. Baz, a foreign guy, and that. Yeah. So there were some
3: Mexicans in there. Not a bad sleep yeah. in the open bit of gut. And, um, my old spot, hot night again. They've done another application for Mexicans for money, because got 3,000, sent again. What, what was the deal with the Mexicans then? Well, what
0: it was was um, there was three of them, and his wife, uh, there was the, basically the diamond thieves, but very diamond good. Thieves. Very good, very good. So they've come over. They've do, it's a place called Gorriagon, They've done a diamond exhibition. They've managed to get one million pounds off of diamonds. What? Yeah. One, they've all gone to the airport. Now they're flying via Italy. Sorry, one, one of the guys is going to Italy. Yeah, They've DHL most of them his wife has put the rest of him in a purse yeah so he said to us they're, they're at the airport they're going to they're going to dubai then on to wherever they're going so he said the plane gets delayed an hour yeah then the call comes they're all passengers so he said we're walking he said i'm looking there they're boarding and then come with me we were two minutes away from getting on the plane oh. well they've done their own work the indian uh i used to think it it was a banana republic the country but it's not it's very powerful you know the gdp and everything they're big world player now i didn't think they had technology for stuff like that but they was on them and they're in dubai and they were arresting them at the airport wow. they got they, obviously we, everyone proves the law books to try and get loopholes and everything else now in their case, what they could have done was all the diamonds were recovered straight away. But the guy from Hong Kong that was doing the exhibition wanted 75,000 English as recompensation because he had to come from Hong Kong to India for the trial, etc. etc. Now, if they paid that, then they only do a quarter of the sentence. Now, they got seven years. They'd already done 18 months, I think, so they only had three months left, but they had to pay 75 grand. Wow. wow.
2: And you mm. were saying um in a previous podcast how you were quite stunned that there were people who were in the same prison who'd been, obviously, smuggling heroin, yeah um, I well, would we'll say, um, class A drugs mm-hmm. into it, getting shorter sentences, and you got such a
0: long sentence. Mm. Of- yeah, I mean, they'd, they'd normally give... Like I say, the minimum of 10. If it was a large amount, you might get 15, you know, for like 30 kilo or something like that. But with the quantity and the actual being a, a you know, a psychotropic type drug, not a narcotic drug, you wouldn't have expected to get more than that, yeah. There's no, there's no clarity how one can be that and one can be, be that, you know. Because mm. drugs are different, aren't they? Different... Um, Categories, So,
3: You're so positive, but I found a down day. Yeah. 95 um, degrees, 30-something degrees. Not had a good sleep again. Feeling sick with worry and feel really, really down. Tried to lie back down, but been raining heavy for the past two days. Flies landing on me. And water pissing in the cell. Oh, yeah, it used to get leaks so out. Need to snap out soon. of it, but just can't. An octopus called
0: Paul in the paper.
2: Oh, the octopus. Oh, addicted. right, remember
0: that, yeah, Football yeah. The World, World Cup scores, was yeah. it? 2010, that would have been, I think, yeah.
3: So, yeah. those moments then, how did you pull yourself out of those dark
0: moments? kick myself up the arse to be honest I, mm-hmm. I used to look around like i say sean i used to look at people and think how oh, can you feel sorry for yourself they're not getting letters they've got no love behind them they've got no support they've got no money they've got nothing mm-hmm. you're in a bad situation but you've got to be more positive i've got i had grandkids to come home to. i had you know but i, I i'll tell you that the worst times for me personally was 2010 um, I got malaria five times within a, an eight-month period. From the mosquitoes, is that? Oh. We used to be there. They'd be buzzing. We used to have competition. We'd go and see how many blood splats you could get. Oh. I got eight once. That was oh. a, that was the a, eight in one go. And oh. uh, yeah, zzz, zzz, zzz. Oh, headache it was sometimes. But that area, because the monsoons and because of the stagnant water and stuff from the back. That's why I was coming in. Um, Like I said, I got malaria the first time and it was horrible. They took me to the hospital wing and I was in this hospital wing and I thought, wow, I'm going to get a bed at last. And it's got a quilt on it. It's like one of the quilt about this thick. And I looked at it and it was like, name what's crawling on there and what's staying. It was absolutely disgusting. Honestly, absolutely disgusting. I sent a guy back to my cell. I got a towel. I put the towel on it. Just lay there for two days, couldn't move. What was the symptoms? Uh, headache, banging, banging, headache, sickness, diarrhea, just feeling so weak and low. Oh yeah, you're getting cold sweats and your temperature's dead eye and everything else. But you know what they give me? Paracetamol.
2: Cure for everything.
0: Paracetamol. Honestly, <laughs> I requested to get malaria tablets from the embassy after the second time, but by the third time and fourth time, I didn't even go to hospital. I was. I just sat in the, my own cell, sort of, within five, six hours I shook it off because I think my body's got stronger against it, sort of thing. But that was the worst time. I mean, the first time, it was monsoon, and I've gone to the, it's like on the first floor the hospital area, and I've gone looking out, and like I said, there's a, a rectangular structure and the water fills up in it overnight. People have come with the jugs or whatever they've got, and wash in the morning, and I've gone looking, and it's pissing down with rain. I'm looking at all these Indians all fighting and throwing what, and I thought, "I want to die." I fuck, I don't want to be here no more. I'm just so low, you know, because I was so feeling sorry for myself. I just, I was like, "I want to be with my mum in my own bed, looking after me." You know, it was so such a bad time, like, and I've got to say, the other hardest time was my last three months. Really? Yes, because obviously uh, around 2018. The case finally was before the judge and it was a division bench because it was 20 years. You have a division bench, anything over 10, you have two judges. These two judges have decided which I already knew. It has to be concurrent, so they put it to 10 years. Then it went before a single bench. Now the single judge was very harsh. She was on the prosecution side all the time. My lawyer's saying, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. I've only got less than a year left, hang on gets the right judge in, the lady judge. Now, it was in April, all the arguments had finished, the prosecution's arguments had finished, my lawyer's arguments, they had to give a decision. So every day I'd be waiting for my name. Barry always Tallypot Beast, I like saying, get your pot and your thing and you, you go in." Every day I'd be waiting, waiting. Do you know how long it took? Three months to give a yes or no. Three months. Torture. I went through. Well, I did. I went, it was hell. Every day, what's going to happen? Well, I've only got a six months. Anyway, and I've only got a five months. But but then, last four or five months, I didn't want to do. That was going to be the hardest, the longest to finish the ten. And I wanted to be acquitted. I was innocent. You know, I wanted me freedom back and everything else. And like I say, to give that yes or no decision and write a report took three months.
2: I wanted uh, to know your the process from when you left getting back to the UK.
0: Well, sorry, that's sorry, I'm kicking you. <laughs> well, that's another sort of story on its own. Um, there's a full chapter of that in the book and more. Mm-hmm. Like I said, the judge done me a massive favour because she gave me um, a judgment of he needs to be deported within 10 days. Now, like I said, the prosecution tends to try and keep me there for six months and everything to challenge the... <sighs> cause I know, they've already screwed your life. They want to do it more. So... Um, Basically, she put that into place where it done me a massive favour because they all know what they like. So the, the judge has done me a big favour there. Obviously, I'm expecting them to deport me. Now, I was acquitted on the Wednesday and Ray's come to the July the 5th. I found out. Superintendent called me to the office, stood up, congratulations, shut me hand and all that. It was a pretty good paler, we was. And um, I was like, Ray's coming tomorrow. He's bringing a car. I'm going. He's like... Yeah, yeah. Ray comes down the next morning. I'm packed up, ready to go. And he's like, no, you can't. We've got to wait for the customs to set you. They've got to put you in the d- detention centre. So I was like, well, well, we don't know. It's not happened like this before. Blah, 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 Gets to the Friday. I've walked to the superintendent's office. I went, I'm free. So he went, I know you are. I went, so if I walk out of there now, you better tell all them not to shoot me because I'm getting off. I'm, fucking, I'm free to go. I've spent all this time I want to go. So he done me a big favour. He spoke with them, they okayed it. He got one of the guards from in the jail to come out with me on the Friday afternoon. We've jumped on the back of his motorbike. (laughs) Surreal it was. Jumps on the back of his motorbike, goes to the Colapaw bus stand, gets some fried bread or something from a little stall, gets on, um, gets on a coach to Puno, gets off at Puno, that's a five-hour drive, gets off at Puno, obviously I've arranged with Ray, He's now got a baby and a, and a wife, a girlfriend over there. He's been there so many years. He's only got a one-bedroom place. It's very expensive to live in Mumbai, and you don't have much in there. So I get there about two in the morning. He's phoned his friend. He thinks we're having a big party and stuff. Gets a bottle of brown, went, ain't happening this, mate. <laughs> so he's like, right, uh, can I trust you? I went, I want to get out of the country. I'm not going to get off anywhere. I'm a quitter. I want to go. So on the Monday, what we had to do, Was meet and go to the foreign office to do a load of paperwork. So at a Sunday, we went down Bandra, got my first ice cream. Oh, it tasted like heaven, honestly. Mm. And then (laughs) the Monday morning, Ray sort of come with me, worked out the crazy train system in Mumbai. It's absolutely mental. Gets on different trains, gets to Mumbai, meets the guy. I said it was the Saturday morning. It was the next morning. Gets to the place. It's only closed because every second sat there, because they're so lazy Indians, they, they, they shut everything down, government buildings. That wasn't open, so he's like, you're gonna to have to come back to Colourport. I'm like, Sling it, are you mad? I think I'm going 12 hours traveling back, get out of it. So what he'd done, took me to a women's prison. There was an old two star officer there, give him the paperwork and I had to meet him on the Monday. Met him on the Monday, done some other paperwork on the Tuesday, relaxed Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, gets a phone call from my lawyer, get to the high court to try to keep you there. So again, it's all in the book, but there's a big rigmarole after that as well to get out of the country. And then two years ago, I got a letter from Open Shore Division International Police saying India have asked for an uh, order of service, I think they call it. I asked Alexa what it was actually. She told me, They basically want me back in the country to face trial again. Absolutely, and I was thinking about going to Goa. So thank God. Imagine that if they would have kept me there twelve years. Honestly, it takes that long in the Supreme Court. It took six in the High Court. Oh my God! You're going to be stuck there. This is crazy. Mm, just up there yeah so so if those officials are watching this now what do you say to them do you know what I'm still in contact with <laughs> a few of them oh yeah I am I, there's a few decent guys you know the, the younger lads used yeah. to bring you bring you swag in and stuff like that and it was alright oh, you know there's a few I'm still in contact with a lot of people actually from India you know, Ray mm. Ray's like my brother he'd done so much for me while I was out there um, Santos Chete, I speak to him but He doesn't very rarely call on a satellite phone or something. He's very, very, he won't speak on the phone and he won't, yeah, he's very. What what uh, was going through your head on the flight home? I still wasn't convinced I was getting home. Honestly, I mean, I was on that, when I had to, um, I had to be escorted out of the country, if you like. There was two officers in the airport. They trusted me. I turned up at one in the morning for the flight. The guy's walking with me everywhere. I wouldn't leave me side. So, right, I'm going to the toilet. Walked to the toilet the next minute. A guy with a shade, you know, in the corner, stood behind the post. He started walking after me. I was like, for real? I went, he's with you in there. He went, yeah. <laughs> so like, I'm not getting off anywhere. You know, I've been on my own for the last few days. I don't want to stay in this stinking country for one minute more. But anyway, the, he said, I said, when, when I check in and that, you'll go. He went, oh no, when the plane's in the air, I leave sat on the plane, I was expecting a fleet of police cars to come and drag me off, even at that point. I was on uh, autopilot for the last week, I've been on autopilot, court back, uh, embassy back, doing this, doing that, um, until I landed. And then I, I breeze through sort of passport control, jib dollar queue and they give the paperwork in. And I got through and it was a London airport. No offence, but I kissed the floor, even though it was <laughs> Manchester. <my> <laughs> I kissed the floor because it's British soil and yeah. Um and I was a bit blast, hey, my son was there and my mate. Oh. And they jumped up you know, and I'm trying to get duty free, me, trying to get me duty free. <laughs> <laughs> and he went, come here. So yeah. So How would it feel to give your son a hug? Oh, oh I amazing. 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 I mean, we went to the petrol station on the way out. And I've gone, and went, 10-6, please. And they went, 10 cigarettes! We don't do 10s anymore. Yep. <laughs> it's like everything changed. Like yourself, text messages. Mm, mm. I come out and everyone's got these big iPads doing this. Every <laughs> second, third person. <laughs> like, what's this phone about, you know? Yeah. What was
2: the most bizarre tech thing you've seen, um, you've seen coming
0: out? It's probably that, really. Social media had gone crazy. Um the youth for today, I don't know. It was just because I'd missed it for 10 years and want, didn't sort of want in it progressing. Mm. It was, that was a big sort of shock. I couldn't really get my head round a lot of it. Mm. It's all it's a bit, bit fake, a lot of it. You know, I look at my life and it's not really like that, is it? No. Um, and then again, like I said, I was scrolling up instead of down, zooming out instead of in on the phone. And, you know, it just took so a lot of few things to get, to get used to it sort of thing. So, What was your first meal? Um, What did my mum make? I think, I think it might have been a curry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even though I never had it over there. Or what was I it think... like seeing your mum for the first time? Yeah. I mean, it was all waiting in the house, at yeah. uh, my mum's house, yeah. Um. Obviously, my three grandchildren. Uh, I mean, yeah, I'd seen my mum. Yeah, I'd seen my mum. I'd spoke with Kai on the mm. phone and stuff. And um, obviously, the girls didn't know. They were sort of three and five at the time, or even younger, yeah, two and four, I think. So to see them, obviously then one guy was he's like, Uncle Bas, I went, Who are you? It was me brother's son. But he's so changed so much. Mm-hmm. You know, he was now sort of 18 from eight. And his face had changed everything. I didn't even know he was, sort of because 'cause I'm not seeing any pictures of him. And but yeah, I mean what a moment. Um I think it's hot pot or something like that. It was some mm-hmm. northern grub anyway, some mother's love cooking oh, that you'd man. really miss, you know. And then She'd run me a bath and she'd hear all these stories of you won't get to sleep in a bed for weeks and everything else. And I got in this bath and I felt like I'm myself, <laughs> like I've gone to heaven with all the things. <laughs> honestly, this bubble bath, I felt so, I, I just felt so lucky. Mm-hmm. I did. I felt so like privileged and I think I fell asleep in there. My mum was like, Are you <laughs> all right? right? <laughs> after half and I was like, am all right? And I got in the ba- bed and I slept like a baby. I believe, honestly, I just, and, uh, so it was just, just getting back to society, isn't it? Mm. You know, because you're completely out of that society. It did take a good few months to become sort of me again. Have you just. made it last that appreciation and wonderment? Oh, to this day, to this day. And now, one thing I can say is you take every day like it's your last. You know, you don't know what tomorrow brings. I would never have expected in a million years. What tomorrow rang for me, you know. And it's just, don't miss, don't put off till tomorrow what you can do today.
2: Have you heard or seen anything from the guy who's responsible for
0: you going to No, he's disappeared from the. I believe went to Ireland and down London. Then I got told he was around my area. And at first I was driving past and his house and I thought, you know, if I see him, what will I do? Will I go back to jail for murder? Because I don't know, he could never give me compensation for them 10 years, even a billion pound won't suffice. Smashing his face in wood, and I don't want to do going to the same situation. So I try and avoid that he'd be around there and things, you know, and I did uh, certain times that, you know, prayer was, prayer was very helpful. And I learned at that point in time that forgive, don't forget, but forgive and let, let us, you know, they I try and take the positives to be honest I take all the positives it was a university of life I can go around uh, Cheetah Mill where all the Pakistanis are I know what they're saying they can't call me behind my back and they go <laughs> and they look when I'm speaking and like some of them actually buzz off it and think you know it's a great thing but then you get some of them like mm, bald white man there knowing our lingo they don't, like it. It. <laughs> you know, they don't like it they don't yeah. like it don't like it but yeah so that's a positive again you can set up. So I think you, you know, all the negatives, you've got to try and put them into a positive in a way.
3: When I got, I was at the airport in London when I got deported, and I ended up sitting down. There was a soldier who just got back from some war torn district, mm. and we were talking. And we were looking at all of the people of England, and we were thinking, these people just they don't know how good they've got it. They take everything for granted in this country. Yeah. And having experienced everything get taken away, and life and death doesn't mean much mm-hmm. you
0: see did, did you did, do you have that you know oh one million percent yeah yeah 1 million percent yeah i mean until you put in that situation you'd never know you'd never kind of appreciate because we're born into a society where you know we, we can eat good food we've got privileges in life you know we we live a nice life and If you've not got a job or you're struggling, we've got a government that will help you out to a certain degree. They don't have that. You know, there's probably hundreds of millions over there that are living on the street. Or they've got like a little tent type. I mean, even the slum areas now, you've got to pay rent in Mumbai. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen, um, what's it called? the um, Based on... Uh, he wants to be a millionaire the Mumbai um, slum dog millionaire slum dog dog slum dog millionaire so that is Dharavre which is a big area so you've got multi million multi millionaires living in these high rises with the view of all these shed tops all these you know corrugated Um, roofs you give me a
3: flashback to Shantaram then where the rats come in the night the waves of rats come through the slums in the night everyone's getting go off the road and they just devour everything anything in front of them is that... If there's little kids out or anything, they stick on with the rats.
2: What, but they take kids? <laughs>
0: well, they just, because there's so many of them sort of rushing, like a tidal wave it?
3: of rats comes down in the middle of the night.
2: And they eat kids? Everyone's got to get off the
0: streets. Yeah. No, they'll take you with them, though, because oh. <laughs> there's so many. take you off your feet, won't it? And <laughs> Crazy. Mm. Oh. So have you been to any of these Thunderdome reunions? Uh,
3: not... Shout out to the Thunderdomers. Yeah.
0: The conspiracy here, Yeah, so on. Um, I've not seen any, to be fair. I yeah. mean, there's reminisce that's happening. A couple of Hacienda reunions. Like I say, I was in that um, um, restricted forest in Blackburn. Yeah. sandy gone. Yeah, raving at the a, weekend? All day off.
3: Still raving no, from the no. from, from, oh, yeah, Manchester?
0: Still, still raving <laughs> while I can. So my legs give up. Yeah. <laughs> what what DJs were you into back in the Thunderdome days and Conspiracy days? Um, well, there's a friend of ours. I don't know if you know Awesome some three that's a group uh, no. please don't no it's not that one it's uh, there's a few songs anyway yeah. uh, he was a DJ at the time so we used to sort of go and follow him we'd be in yeah. Leeds on a Tuesday night in the Leeds warehouse right. and sort of go all over but a big one was Maxims in Wigan mm. they used to do the old school we'd be there sort of every month and we were into like Jay Weird and 808 yeah. Stage Stu Allen just a and... Piccadilly and yeah. All that, yeah. yeah well there was a, uh, a there was a club there as well at that in Piccadilly there, he's a DJ a lot there. That Sasha Soundgarden. Garden, Sound Garden. Yeah, he's a, got a better the, memory
3: than me. With the springy dance yeah, floor, yeah, he yeah. can
0: really bounce on yeah. that one. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I Meanwhile, man, I'll be on Billy Whiz and Disco Biscuits boun- yeah. bouncing Sound <laughs> yeah.
0: soundgarden. It's just like a box place on it as well. Yeah. There's nothing special about it. Like fact, they, they all rave about it, and it's yeah, it's you know, it's not a brilliant. Club, so was it's not. If you weren't on anything, yeah,
3: it's just a bur square room. Some of them <laughs> weren't they, yeah. and people like waiting to come up on the That's yeah. it. You're, you're on something. You can make it. What well, you sick. want it to be, right? And as well. the music. It sounds like signals from of space, but as soon as the E hits, yeah, it's yeah. Like, it all makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it? yeah, it certainly <laughs> does.
0: Certainly does. Yeah.
3: Baz, is there anything you want to say before we finish or any stories we've missed out?
0: Um, I think we've covered most most of it. Uh, obviously, there's a lot more stories in, in the, the book. book. Yeah. yeah. Um, so.
2: No tension.
0: Yeah. I called it No Tension because, like I say, all the Indians had come up to me the first few months and they say, Tamara case can they say, like, what's your case like, sort mm. of thing, what you're here for. I said, diazepam. They got "No tension, Baba. No tension." <laughs> so it stuck in my head, you know. And in the end, they used to say, hey, I like you say, eight thousand miles of tension, me, me. I'm not from this country. I've got eight thousand miles of tension." Mm. So yeah, so that's why I named it that. Really. You still doing the yoga that you started? I do it before my gym. So, yeah, so, 20 minutes. Yeah. yeah, nice warm up. Stay flexible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I still get flipping my legs over my head and all that. Can so. you? Yeah, oh, yeah, really? yeah. <laughs> yeah. It does keep you supple, sort of our age yeah. as well.
3: Yeah, yeah. totally. So, really? we love it. All right, so all of Baz's links are in the description box below this video if you want to check the book out. Is it paperback and
0: ebook? Yeah, I mean, it's on paperback and uh, hardback at the minute. Hardback, uh, paperback, it's on Kindle edition. Kindle. Yeah. Have you got an audio book in progress? I'm looking at bringing the audio book out soon as well for people that don't sort of like to do the reading. If people
3: want to uh, message you or support you or follow you online, you're on Instagram and Facebook. I am, yes.
0: What are those pages under?
3: What names? It's under Baz Hulse. Yep. Hulse Baz. How's uh, Hulse spelt?
0: H-U-L-S-E. Okay. Yeah. And you've got some pages under No Tension as well? Yeah, we've just set that up myself and my sister. A few. Uh, is he kicking then? Yeah, <laughs> he was kicking the, kick the book. book. <laughs> 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 He'd not be kicking, man. <laughs> <like laughs> yeah. He's doing yoga. He's <laughs> listening to us, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fancy's a bit of the fun. Think, <laughs> yeah, so um, like I say, it's on them three platforms on Amazon. Um, I'll be bringing out an audio book soon. There's a No Tension page that we've just set up as well. Uh, I've, I'm looking into getting my own website as well because I do believe people want to speak about with you about the book, you know, and did this happen or, you know, what happened to your ex-girlfriend you know, basic things like that. So I am in the process as well of getting this where uh, uh, website set up as well you're a very good speaker baz um, have you thought about doing a youtube or a tiktok anything like that uh, i'm not at the minute i mean but i'm open to do anything mm, me you know yes. uh, a lot of i've had brilliant feedback from the book i've got to say it's it's sort of gone beyond my sort of where i thought it would you know yeah. i like to say that'd be my mum that from up there probably pushing oh. it on to everyone but the feedback's been fantastic. Mm. It has been brilliant. I don't think I've had one bad comment of, of everyone, you know. Yeah. Um, it's made loads of women cry. And that's true to form. I've mm. done that over my time. <laughs> 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 done it with words now. But yeah, um, the feedback's been fantastic. Everyone's yeah. saying, make it a film. It's got to be a film. And, mm-hmm. you know, maybe one day it could be a film. And, you know, so you will just see where it goes. And I'm just glad to get it out there. I always promised my mum I'd do that. Unfortunately, I lost her late last year. Sorry
2: to hear that
0: um but i know she would have read it now from up there and she'd be dead proud that it's it's done you know i've done it all myself and everything else so yeah and the, hopefully there's no spelling mistakes in it because that's the that's my pet my big hate that you know the spelling mistake so i believe it's not at the minute so well what a fantastic journey you've took us on today Thank We really you. appreciate it and
3: for all the viewers out there let us know in the comments what you think Shout out to Daryl as well for hooking this up. Uh, you check out our podcast with him. And also please go down and support Baz on his socials or if you want to get his book as well. Alright, man, Thank give you. us a Thank hug. Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah. Ooh. Cheers. Oh give
2: us a
1: second.
3: Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you.